Howdy, hi campers, and welcome to the Triple Takeover Toycast, a fortnightly podcast dedicated to our beloved robots in disguise, the Transformers, as well as other toy lines from the past. Eventually, we promise. As always, I am joined by a photographer, writer, and a man with an unreasonable dislike of Omnibot chatter, Maz, also known as TF Square One. Oh, come on. Seriously? With 30 so seconds in? <laughs> so true. You've done this to yourself. You've deprived all of our listeners of these wonderful little moments. And I'm also joined by writer, photographer, YouTuber, and a person who, in the time it's taken me to say this, has probably bought the entirety of Beast Wars Neo. It's Sixo. That implies that I don't have it all already, of course. <laughs> I knew that when I was thinking, when I was writing it down. I, like, I don't. I don't. Now you but, do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. It's click by. And I'm Toybot Soapbox, or as my dentist calls me, Liam. Today's episode is episode nine, I'm certain, and we are talking about Transformers who are living in a box. They're living in a cardboard box. Join us as we deep dive into your recycling bin and discuss all things packaging. Guys, how are you doing? <laughs> That's me clapping <laughs> for his intro. It was a very good intro, mate. What can I say? Ah, now I've already peaked because my only goal every time we record is to make Maz laugh at least once. And now I've done it. And I'm like, oh, so, so there you go. Now, Two minutes in, you can just yeah. uh, end the episode right there and then. Thanks for listening, oh, guys. <laughs> a reference to Living in a Box, the single by the band Living in a Box from the album Living in a Box. <laughs> Those guys knew their lane. <laughs> they, knew, they knew what they were about. It's all about boxes, like us, apparently. Yes. <laughs> okay, so guys, how are you? How are you both? All good, thanks. Yeah, doing really well here. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Football's been on loads. I know you love that six zone. I know you've been watching all of it, haven't you? Mate, honestly, the the old football. I got, you know, I got nothing against football. It's just not really my uh, my jam. It's fair to say. It's not your bag of pretender hats, is it? Exactly that. That's that's a good. Yeah, I like that analogy. No, it's not really my bag of pretender hats. It's fair to say. I think I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast episode, but I think my thing with football extends back to not being able to watch Transformers on a Saturday morning when my stepfather used to want to watch the football instead. Pretty sure that's where it started anyway. It's a long-standing grudge. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it's quite a serious uh, quite a serious thing, isn't it? Old Saturday morning cartoons when you're that age. So you don't forget. What absolutely amazed me the other day is when I was when England played, I was sort of looking through Twitter and popping into my Twitter feed there was a tweet from Sixo in 2018 talking about England being eliminated from a tournament. Was there? Like, oh, yeah. And it was talking about something else. It was talking about Transformers, but there was just a little note ah. about England being eliminated. And I was like, yeah, he, ah, there he, he was is. less on brand back then. He, you know, yeah. he was less on brand back in 2018. Engagement, wasn't it? It, it was before we wrote the corporate Bible. So uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> back then, this, the social media strategy these days is uh, much more streamlined. So how about you, Maz? How have you been? How have you been? All good. I'm all good. Thank you very much. Um, I mean,. There's been a lot of banter on social media between us with enablement and what we've all gone and bought in the meantime. And as if I hadn't fallen down enough rabbit holes from the previous episodes, like there's vinyl tech coming my way, as well as car robots now as well. It's just, and we haven't even done the episode on that yet. And uh, yeah, this is becoming a very expensive podcast. <laughs> the the car robots one, I think is the funniest for me is because it's you've preempted. both... Well, exactly. We haven't even recorded it yet. And you've both kind of started to fall down that little rabbit hole to, to varying degrees. I think it's kind of funny. Um, but I, you know, I just, I can't wait to see what happens when the episode itself rolls around. 
it's going to be brilliant. After the way the sort of the barrel tech prices seem to shoot up, trying to get ahead of the curve here, you know, get some of them in. I think it's I think they're I've on been, to us, really. Yeah, exactly. I know we said it last time, actually, but I've just been so loving seeing everybody posting pictures of their vinyl tech, and I, I had at least two or three tags today alone from people going, "Oh, look what I've dug out the loft!" And what uh, one guy actually uh, posted a picture of their BT seventeen that they'd finally purchased, and they said uh, that that they you know decided that it was time to complete their vinyl tech collection. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Do you know what I mean? How amazing. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's weird when you record this to think, oh, you know, how many people are listening or how, how big an influence does it have or whatever. But just judging by the number of people that are getting focus on something that they've maybe not thought about in a long time, I don't know, it's really, re- it's very rewarding. It's been six weeks now, so it wasn't just like a flash in the pan for that week. It's like six no. weeks on from the episode, and we're still doing it, and they're still doing it. Well, so I was going to say we've we've not really shut up about it since, no, have we? No, so, it, yeah. uh, we're, well, I'm, certainly, I'm still talking about vinyl tech all the time. Well, and so now- today today was my first day back in the office, and I actually used the opportunity to bring home my BT07 smokescreen. So now it's one I've. I felt like I needed to bring it home and, and photograph it some more. So it's yeah, it's still having an effect. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that has some very nice packaging as well, can I say. Yes. I've been reacquainting myself mm-hmm. with BT packaging, of course, of late. Yep. Uh, and uh, just how, how nice it is, actually. One thing I did think with that packaging is how you can tell how collector-orientated that line is. We didn't talk about the actual boxes from Vinyl Tech. We talked about the artwork a bit in that episode um but the packaging you can tell it's very different to like the sort of the particularly the latter day alternators packaging how it's still got a kind of collector slant to it but just the fact that you have to kind of cut it to get into it and all of that it's much more kind of mainline focused in its way yeah, whereas, it's, it's made to be disposable basically 100 percent. whereas just the way that bt is you can tell that these are toys that are designed to go back in the box and be displayed if you want and it's Absolutely. uh Really, really cool. And that was like one of the first instances of real collector packaging as well, wouldn't it? That would have been then. I guess so, yeah. Um, well, beyond the reissues, was. I suppose. Beyond the G1 reissues, it probably was. You think in what book box? Yeah, as yeah, I guess the collector's edition ones as well, you know, because they had such a vintage mm. feel to the way that those... And the thing is, they were coming out in Japan and Takara packaging for G1 wasn't entirely like hasbro packaging but those collector's edition and e-hobby releases were done in like hasbro style dimensions with the collector's card on the front made to be able to be displayed without being opened if, if that's what you fancied I, I gotta tell you i mean it's on it's on my mental list to talk about that collector's edition packaging tonight because it's it's actually some of my favorite in many ways just and for one simple reason it stacks and it looks beautiful when it's all stacked from the <laughs> Uniformly side. Uniformly sized, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of because a lot of G1 packaging is a nightmare in that regard. Um, but that collector's edition packaging, uh, I don't know. I just love the fact that they've got all the car bots, even stuff like Grapple or whatever that's like a little bit larger, just kind of lined up in uniform size boxes and it all kind of fits. You know, they've just got distinct inner trays, but the actual cardboard itself is the same, yeah. which is... Even two cassettes managed to... right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's a really, really good way of doing it. And But, you know, even then the Jets and stuff like that all have their own, you know, the, there's a little se- sequence for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from memory, actually, the Insecticons or I forget yes. now, but they, they yeah. were in the same packaging as the That's Jets. Great. And so it's just really nicely done. So um, the last episode we did was all about toy photography and we all had a great time doing that one. And we all had actually 
a lot of interesting talks ourselves, don't we, afterwards? But it's been great seeing the reaction online, hasn't it? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it as well. I think it was a really, um, I guess, quite a personal episode in in a lot of ways because it's a subject that you know we all there's a there's a lot in there. It was, I guess, it was difficult to know exactly how we were going to approach it. You know, is it like uber technical or or kind of what angle we're we going to go at it with? And I think for me, it felt right to just kind of talk more generally about what we enjoy about that aspect of the hobby and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And it feels like the reaction to it has been really good. It, I, for me, what was really interesting is seeing a couple of, you know, big name, very established, very professional uh, Transformers photographers in the community responding to us and saying that it really resonated for them. And that was that was rewarding. Agree completely. Yeah. I, I was also surprised by that and uh, pleasantly surprised by the fact that people didn't seem to comment that we didn't go technical enough like nobody seemed to say i was expecting a full lesson in the relationship between you know iso shutter speed and, and all the rest of it so it obviously means that we pitched it at a level that was interesting informative but also personal so that was that was spot on it's what we want for this isn't it basically and that, yeah that's how it was intended wasn't it it wasn't supposed to be like an instructional guide it was just sort of our experiences and sort of a few tips here and there but one of the things that pe- one of the threads people have picked up on quite a lot was the imposter syndrome, wasn't it? That's been quite, yeah. it's come up quite a lot. And I think like Sixo was saying a minute ago about how it being quite personal and, you know, not fully wanting to sort of step into it. Like that. I think that we all felt like that a little bit, didn't we? Where we sort of stepped back a little bit and kind of withheld it. And then we were talking about it afterwards and it sort of came up that, yeah, maybe that's something to come back to in a future episode, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't just apply to toy photography, it's toy writing and toy reviewing, anything that requires you to put your personal feelings or any element of creativity into an established community space, whatever the subject. Yeah, because even just sharing stuff like that, you're still sharing stuff about yourself, aren't you? And that's how it sort of felt there. So even myself, I know I sort of felt a little bit guarded not wanting to say certain things because it's a podcast, isn't it? You sort of want to give off a certain impression sometimes. And um, But I think that would actually be quite interesting. And it's been quite... Uh, enlightening reading a lot of the response that people have had particularly to that section yeah I think it's been remarkable seeing some people that as as I you know, said that are very well established and people that are talking about that um, that idea of imposter syndrome you know and, and the, the people that clearly felt that that was something that they could kind of identify with it's yeah, and it's, it's telling and it is it is good to share that sort of mental headspace a little bit sometimes I mean, it's really easy as a person to just look at other people and think they're just better human beings. You know, they're a different class of person that's just better at everything than I am. It's a very natural response to things when other people do things well. You don't know the story behind why they're like that. And as far-fetched as it might seem, our discussion on packaging today, I reckon I will be able to touch on that sentiment again when it comes to, to packaging in our various discussions. Might not seem connected, but I've definitely got a couple of things to say about that. Oh, I'm excited about that. Don't be. <laughs> so we are gathered here today to talk about those cardboard presents that Hasbro seal our toys in the packaging so guys what is the actual purpose of the packaging well i guess it's twofold isn't it i think um was that know, a from... packaging joke it's twofold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it wasn't meant to be honestly it wasn't meant to be I was, it was um... a well-packaged joke Yo, there we go. Gosh, I'm going to need to be on top form today, quite clearly. Uh, I just folded it in. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was on the spur of the moment, I That's swear. That's the dad joke. There oh, it is. Mate. It's the one. Yeah. 
my poor old wife, honestly, I tell you, she has to live with this kind of stuff day in, day out. So uh, anyway, I was going to say, uh, I think it's twofold. Seriously, I do. Because um, I guess from a purely practical point of view, packaging is there to to ship the toy, isn't it? Because quite simply, if you didn't have the packaging, it would just be toy in a bag or whatever it would be. But um, then clearly at some point, uh, you know, they've thought, okay, we need to make the packaging very attractive. And actually, it helps to sell the toy as well. I think when I think about packaging, and I'm sure we'll cover this as we go through, I very much think of my childhood and uh, what it looked like, you know, back in the day, you know, the, the kind of sunburst G1 packaging, all of that, how eye catching it was. And so for me, it's yeah, it's a practical thing, but also a very visual thing as well that kind of sells the excitement for the toy. It's basically an advert, isn't it, inside the toy store? Yeah, it really is. And I think when you look at the effort that goes into some of the packaging, some more than others, but but even even kind of some of your most basic releases, um, apart from maybe some real bargain basement, you know, KOs and third party and stuff that maybe some of them, not all because a lot do, but some don't bother, um, you know, there's generally a, a, a bench level of effort with packaging anyway to make it look enticing. Um, and there are some really extreme examples. I mean, things like Headmasters and stuff like that, you know, again, G1, that for me is like top tier stuff that just immediately makes you excited for the contents. You just can't wait to to get it open and check it out. I mean, don't forget that back in the day, Transformers wasn't an established name and it had to stand out among established Things like, you know, Masters of the Universe or, or whatever else was really, you know, popular at the time. So the packaging would have been an enormous part of selling that product. And uh, you can just tell that there are periods of time in Transformers history where the packaging is doing a lot of work. It's working overtime. Fighting crime. <laughs> it's talking of packaging. Mask <laughs> packaging. Oh, it's it's spectacular, isn't it? isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, I mean... That packaging from the 80s is a reason why it's remembered so fondly because they were just some crazy competition going on there between some top-tier toy lines to grab the attention. You know all those black and white photos you're seeing surfacing now of toy aisles, toy aisles from the 80s and just what these aisles of toy stores look like, wall-to-wall amazing toy lines that are, you know have all aged extremely well and have big fandoms. At the time, to be able to gain someone's attention and get them to buy that toy for their kid or, or for themselves, you know, the packaging was obviously a, a massive avenue and with plenty of investment. Yeah, and you can, I think you can really see that with, I mean, not just Transformers, but, you know, stuff like, I mean, Liam, you, sh- you were sharing some pictures of Master of the Universe earlier. Yeah. I know it's a new toy, but yeah. for me, it was highly evocative of yes. that packaging from the 80s as well. Um, it's very and just beautiful. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's meant because it, it's um, they're basically the old toys with joints, aren't they? And they've done that uh, with the packaging as well. So they've gone into the same sort of level of recreation of the packaging. There's new if, art, but that looks exactly like the old art. It's amazing. Which you know has been very successful in Transformers as well. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of packaging, uh, you know, when you get a lot of uh, retro stuff, you know, whether that's reissues or you know some third party, uh, I've always seen it online. You know, when you share pictures of new third-party items sometimes if it's uh, very often packaging that evokes um, what it used to look like from whatever period that was people go nuts for it if it reminds them of their childhood there, there was one recently fans hobby did um, I, I mean I was thinking of generation one because there's been numerous examples but even uh, you know fans hobby did their armada 
Optimus Prime recently, mm-hmm. and the box looked a lot like the old Armada packaging. And people just go crazy for it. They really love that kind of feeling of nostalgia. So it's it's clearly a, a good way to go. But I did think that that Masters of the Universe, those paintings and all of that, was just beautiful. It really kind of um, reminded me of the old uh, Masters of the Universe packaging, but also the, the kind of back-of-the-box battles from Transformers as well um in in their way you know the kind of painted scenes and everything that are just so nice have you looked up the castle grayskull they've done i haven't uh you should, you should look at the box because it's done in the same style and it's just this giant painting it's glorious it's absolutely glorious i've seen that a little bit here and there it's really really nice it's, it's one yeah. of those where the boxes you typically throw them away but when you see something like that it's like it's almost like i can't buy it because i'd have to keep the box <laughs> it's, it's so big but yeah. would you um would you call that a success then in this day and age? If um, Think about it. You've got this amazing packaging and the packaging is there to protect the product, to sell the product. But then when you get it, the packaging is so nice, you want to keep the packaging. So yeah, I guess it is a success, isn't it? Because yeah. yes, you want to keep the packaging. But if the toy looks amazing in the packaging, you start thinking, oh, do I really want to take this toy off its bubble? And actually brings me on to a point I wanted to make, like Takara, when they released their Transformers series one and two in 1985 they did series one and two together obviously even things like uh minibots had styro inserts you know g1 cars had styro inserts insecticons had styro inserts so that you could put the toy back in there and display it in the box and if you look a little bit earlier on in like early diaclone and stuff like that they didn't all have artwork a lot of the time it was just a massive window box where the toys inside the packet were doing all of the work to sell that product there was no massive artwork on all of them you know, sometimes you did get artwork, but if you think of like Diaclone Mirage, there was just a photograph of the toy in robot mode and the car was this massive uh, cellophane window where you could see the entire car. Powered Convoy DX gift sets, a big, you know, Diaclone Ultra Magnus in robot mode and two really gorgeous sports cars and then like a picture of the toy. No, you know, oh, I think it's artwork actually in the bottom right corner, but the artwork is not the draw there. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually. And actually, you're right, seeing how Takara packaging, how much it varies from Hasbro. Um, I, as you were saying that, you know, with all the, the things like throttle bots, you know, and all of that kind of stuff being in styro mm. boxes, I always thought was fascinating versus the carded bubbles and everything that Hasbro was going for at the time. And, you know, certainly from a collector point of view, it's way preferable, you know, because <laughs> it keeps yeah. the toys a lot safer and, you know, the packaging itself doesn't get ruined when you open it. Right. And, uh, and of course, the car packaging was a lot smaller as well. It's far more compact. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone's ever really prepared for the first time they get a, a G1 car in a mm. Takara box compared to a massive, what, what it, is now cavernous, G1 Hasbro. It's one box. thing I, I think all the time, actually, is how big some of those original Generation 1 boxes are because they're huge just compared mm-hmm. to the actual size of the toys, particularly, the you're right, the G1 cars because of how small those cars are, actually. And, and I think the size of the cars surprises people as well, to be fair. But the, the boxes, um, in comparison to the toys, certainly there's a load of wasted space. The amount of actual, uh, you know, the cardboard insert that you have, the amount of space on that insert where the, around the bubble, um, for some examples anyway, things like mm-hmm. Blue Streak and stuff like that, is really quite surprising at times um, to see. Uh, quite interesting and just you wouldn't get that now i don't think in the same no. way and don't forget those toys all had um the, the vertical flap saying transformers on it yes and if you go back to diaclone they didn't even have that it was just the cuboid and 
Sunstreaker even had a smaller box than the regular car. So you stack a Sunstreaker box next to a Sideswipe box, the Sunstreaker box is even smaller. So it's even more compact than all of the other Diaclone boxes that came afterwards. So, so yeah. the, the, the flap was very of its era, wasn't it? So right. what was the... I mean, I don't know, actually. Do you know what the logic of the flap was? Why that happened? Was that just a, an, a, to kind of attract people some way? Or? I think if you look at a Transformers box layout, you've got the cellophane window that showcases the car inside or the, sh- the, the plane inside or whatever it is. Then the right-hand side of the box is entirely dominated by this beautiful piece of painted artwork so the flap was basically the only real estate they had to put the branding on you know this is transformers i think that's probably uh the thinking and then obviously it allowed for a larger surface area on the back to put these beautiful murals it's it's just funny now you know after all these years uh, and obviously you know buying and selling vintage g1 the, the number of conversations that I had about flaps, you know, and and, right. and the condition of the flap and whatever else. Yeah. Um, flap crease is a thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a huge thing. It's a huge How thing. How floppy is it? Mm. Right. I was um, selling a Weird Wolf just the other day. It's just sold and actually no no flap crease. And it's, you know, it, it's a thing. When you see it, you just think, wow, this looks amazing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it, it makes such a difference now in yeah. terms of... And why does it make a difference? Because it makes someone feel like they're buying a pristine item that has been perfectly preserved from its original era. And that evokes all of those emotions of nostalgia and all... I mean, how many collectors I know who collect Box G1 because they want to recreate the the look of toy aisles in the 80s where they would just walk down and it would be wall-to-wall transformers in their packaging, beautifully stacked, loads of untouched bubbles, perfect flaps, no creases. That's what they want to recreate in their own collections. That feeling is evocative. Yeah, well, exactly. I guess, I mean, I've already kind of alluded to that and that's that's certainly when you, when the subject of packaging came up, that was the first image i suppose in my brain was you know being in woolworths uh, as mm. a kid kind of you know running around the corner where are the transformers and seeing that aisle of sunburst packaging um you know all the kind of red and orange and all of that and it just beautiful absolutely beautiful to see um and just pouring over uh you know the, the different toys that were there you know kind of hunting through but the the packaging definitely was a huge draw i think um on that and and you mentioned the character artwork and i'm sure we'll get into that a bit as well but all of that was just so uh exciting it really just kind of brought the the product to life i think um you're right the toy was a huge part of it because obviously it was a great big window you could see what was inside um i really like with transformers packaging that of course you see very often the the alt mode you know inside and then they've got the the picture you know kind of showing you what the robot is going to look like as well Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not the actual toy, uh, even mm-hmm. though there are pictures of the toy on there as well. Uh, and it's really that character artwork that I think kind of, I don't know, does does the heavy lifting in your imagination of like, okay, this is how cool this toy is going to be. Um, you know, and it worked for other toy lines as well. I find myself drawn to other toy lines currently, like Starcom. And I think it was seeing a boxed Shadow Parasite on uh, on Twitter and seeing the box for that and thinking... That's probably the most synthwavy 80s thing I've seen. How have I never seen that? And just looking at the box for that toy, I just want that packaging in my collection so I can appreciate that lovely look and color. And uh, I reckon that that's probably what's attracting me to that toy line more than anything else. It's just the packaging. It the just box. really helps that the, yeah, and the, the fact that that toy has a stunning translucent purpley pink uh, cockpit is that's everything I want in an 80s toy. 
So I've got th- three of them behind me, Mazza, you know, just to let you know. He'll want the box. Have you got a box? Yeah, it's not he'll the want, same, is it? He'll want the box. Not complete. The box. And the thing is, I don't even want the the Euro box. It's the one with the grid pattern on the top part of the box. Oh, it's man. The it's just, this this yeah, is the man, just... let's not forget, to just loop him back into to R.I.D. and Car <laughs> Robots. This is Here the man we that we've been, we go. we've been trying to convince to, to pick up a Superfire Convoy. But then, you know, oh, I want one in a certain condition, maybe sealed. And, mm, okay, so we'll find one for the right price and whatever else. Yeah, but I really want one with this packaging. Okay, so we find the the right one in the right packaging for the right price. Yeah, but I really want it sealed in that packaging as well. It, no, it was... no, no. I didn't buy it sealed in the end, Well, I? that's true. It, I chose was stiff... the packaging over yes. the condition in the end. You are right. But it was it was... I suppose it was really interesting to me, and I'm, I'm, you know, taking the Mickey a little bit, but actually, I did, I do admire it because, for me, I, I can't say I've never done that. Like I have hunted for some items specifically for uh, certain types of packaging or whatever, um, but often it's b- based on what I've already got. So, for I mean, for example, at the moment, I've got you know two thirds of a Japanese Magnaboss. And so, of course, I would be looking for, you know, Lyo Junior, the third part in the equivalent packaging to, to complete that set. You know, so that's, I, I yeah, I do do that. But I, I never really have any particular hard and fast rules about like, okay, it's got to be um, this particular type of packaging or, or whatever. But do you um, want that in the particular box because the first two happen to be in that style of box? Or did you deliberately hunt those first two in that box because that's your preferred packaging? Uh, actually, I, I did the numbers game and concluded that they were going to pop up more frequently in in the separate packaging than in the gift set. Um, and and they do pop up in the gift set, but it tends to go like that. Do you know what I mean? Like right. when the gift set appears online, some some bugger buys it within half an hour. Do you know what I mean? And it's gone. Whereas the the singular ones tend to sit a little bit, you know, they're a little bit more widely available for a good price. So that was that was purely practicality there i think mm-hmm. there there are examples though um i'm trying to think what it was now but there was um you know some things in like generation two for example is probably a good example where a lot of stuff is multilingual the the mm-hmm. cards and things and we've got a friend who um you know has picked up a lot of that stuff as well and would often ask oh you know are you getting those in the the, the you know particular language or the american ones or whatever it may be because you can get over often american packaging or european packaging which is often multilingual and i'm not fast really do you know what i mean like, there were some generation two lines that i did mix and match and things like that which some people would say is sacrilege but for me it's it's kind of only fun as long as the the journey for that subline ends and then i'll typically uh, move the packaging on, to be honest, or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't keep that much packaging, uh, just practicality-wise or whatever. So I just, I don't know. For me, the Superfire Convoy was interesting, but I also, I do respect it as well. And I see it as, I know for you, it's like uh, a little added um, criteria, I suppose, to kind of make the hunt more interesting. Yeah, it was definitely a limiting factor that stopped me buying, because it's not a particularly rare toy at all. And uh I mean, I think there are far more examples of the art box version of the closed box Superfire Convoy than for sure of the. But that was the one that was available at the time that I really got interested, and that's the one that I associate with my twenty-year lust to explore that toy and explore this toy line. And I just wanted to tick off the long-standing desire that I had for that particular packaging. 
And yeah, so eventually I didn't even buy sealed one and, and they're plentiful sealed ones. But instead I, I bought one that was an incredible price, I have to say, but it was in that box and I chose that over buying a, a sealed one because it was just what I wanted. I, I'm okay with it not being sealed because it's, it's in great condition and it's, it's the box I want. Yeah. It's a box I'll keep, which like Liam says, actually, like maybe that's a problem because I end up buying things in boxes that I want to keep, which creates a space problem. I mean, I don't know how many episodes that calls back to in one go, but it really does. <laughs> well, yeah, we're calling back to all of them today, yeah, I, I think. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the space thing is, is that's always a consideration for me. That's the thing. But at the same time, I don't know. I was thinking about this recently, like with, with vintage toys. It's interesting because really boxes very often are not an indication of quality at all. Do you know what I mean? Like you could buy something that's loose and it's in better condition than something yeah, that yeah. just randomly yeah, comes so with true. a box. Yeah, yeah. But you pay more for the box. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, but but I think there is, and I know I'm also guilty of this, a tendency to only look at box listings or think or consider box listings as being somehow better uh, as if like people have taken more care of it. And I know it's, that it's I, a very valid assumption, I think. Yeah, and probably nine box. times out of ten, it's probably a fair assumption. But you it is, but you can skip over very decent loose items yeah. as well. Which if um, you ever sell your collection, someone would end up doing because they mm. would skip over all of your loose stuff that you now have without packaging because yeah. it doesn't have packaging. Yeah. Well not that I would ever sell it, of course, but um that's you know unthinkable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine. Um, but no, it, it's it's an interesting one because I think you can skip over stuff in that regard. Um, but equally, you know, the boxes and things like that, I don't know, for me, I, I love the idea of having them all at one stage and then just practicality crept in. And particularly with G1, and particularly, as I already kind of said, because they don't stack in any way. I think it was, I had amassed the majority of 1987 boxes like well i say the majority a lot of them you know i had the horicons i had a lot of the headmasters target masters all of that kind of shebang uh and uh, some 88 as well some power masters things like that and i think i was trying to kind of make a nice looking you know sort of semi display with it on this you know so they're all on the side so you've got the side flaps um and there's just no way to stack them at all there's i mean try as you might it's always going to look like a bit of a, a kind of higgledy piggledy mess and I think it was at that point that I was like, so if they're, you know, it's nice to have each one individually, but and, and there is some appeal there, but if there's no real way to make them look tidy, it was driving me nuts a little bit. And so I was kind of happy to move them on and recoup some of the, you know, the, the outlay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just to go back to something you said a minute ago about Mint in Box as well, is there is a golf a world of difference isn't there between mint and seal box and mint in box but like you say sometimes when you're looking down mint in box is like the next one you go down to even though like you say it's not actually representative of the quality of the toy That's yeah because it's been opened it's so true one thing actually that i've really come to like now in terms of buying vintage stuff is ruined boxes because um you pay so much less you know so you i mean for example i got a sealed uh action master elite windmill which is a not a rare toy but to get in complete nice condition is hard like it's very you know it can go for silly money for a complete one uh because it's got little rotors and things that go missing and uh, all too often it's you know just kind of been through the ring or whatever all of those action master elites have got little mechanisms in them that get broken if they've been you know in uh, in the wrong hands let's say and um so i got a sealed one but it cost me 
I mean, I think a fraction of, of what it should have done. I mean, it was a ridiculous price, really, because the card that it came on was completely knackered and water damaged. The toy itself inside the bubble was perfect, absolutely mint, but wow. the card was completely ruined. So um, you've already eliminated the people who would collect sealed toys who exactly. can't display it, and you've eliminated the people who can't bring themselves to unseal a sealed G1, even though it's completely ruined, like the packaging. I mean, it was unusable. um, But for me, that was perfect. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to keep the packaging. Um, I think I did actually sell the packaging in the end. I think I did. Uh, But I mean, for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. somebody obviously, and I I always, if I'm going to move packaging or or kind of recycle it, whatever, with vintage, I, t- I don't recycle it, but I always kind of, uh, I do recycle some modern stuff, but um, I always kind of give it a punt of like, well, someone might want this actually, you know, even though I think it looks knackered um, and even if it goes for like a couple of quid or whatever, you know, maybe it means something to someone in their collection. Um, and in that case, I think it did go. Um, but yeah, that for me was perfect. So, but I've, it's not the only example I can think of. I've had a, a few things where just the box is, you know, disastrous, but the contents is fine. That reminds me of when I, I think I sold it to you, didn't I? The Cindersaw with, that was still sealed in the package and it was, the package was knackered and battered. I couldn't bring myself to open it. And then you bought it off me and I assume you opened it then. I actually still have it sealed, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And um, I will open it at some point. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I actually looked at it today and was like, oh, I should really do that at some point. But it is nice to have. Um, It's so interesting how... um, just on the topic of vintage packaging and opening sealed toys, there was always a hierarchy of, you know, vintage first release Hasbro packaging or Mm. Takara packaging from 84 to 88, where it was just like untouchable stuff. But then people would happily buy uh, classic heroes gold box packaging and open that because it wasn't considered valuable or desirable in the slightest back in the day. But now... Yeah, the prices of sealed gold box transformers are occasionally higher. Like finding a gold box classic Optimus Prime sealed Mm -hmm. is now a license to print money. And I I had one sealed not that many years ago. And it was just on the cusp of people finding it super interesting, but still not quite that into it. And I think I only sold it for 200 pounds, which is crazy. You just add a zero to that today. And the fact that it came from an ex-Hasbro employee is equally irritating. <laughs> the fact that I should have just kept it instead of selling it. But yeah, gold box packaging now is hugely popular and people need it to complete their variant package collections, especially Optimus Prime collectors. They're mad for it. Whereas, you-, you know, we still like think you can buy uh, Scramble City guys, you know, combiners on gold cards and it still feels like they're a dime a dozen and, and it's well, cool I- to open them. I was going to say, actually, because that's how I got all of those guys, the Scramble City limbs. That was one that I did go after specific packaging, actually, because I think I... Don't, don't you mean special teams? What did I say? Scrambled City, young man. Oh, well, yeah. Special teams. Okay, yes. Special, special is being completely taken about. Yeah, okay. Special teams. We're British, uh, remember. We're the, British. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. I'll put Decepticon on my... strike planes. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Well, uh, wasn't it someone, uh, we had a comment, someone said that um, they were they were putting on a British accent or something after listening to us on the old right. podcast. More than one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, it's, um, what I was going to say, yeah, with Butler. <laughs> exactly. We'll get him in one day. Um, but the, the old uh, special teams, you know, I collected those on gold cards, actually, because 
you know, purely and simply, they were more plentiful than the original 86 cards. But it did become a bit of a, a mission to get them all on the same card. And actually, I think I said this in a previous episode, but yeah. Breakdown for me yep. was the one that I just couldn't find anywhere. Um, you know, the Stanticons. I had the other, um, you know, all the protector bots, everything. But I just couldn't find that one. And I saw it come up on the 86 card a few times. And I kept saying, nope, I'll wait. Do you know what I mean? And it was fun. Mm. It was fun to do. Do you see um, what I mean? Yeah, that whole yeah. giving yourself um, a particular version of something. It just it does add to the achievement of yeah. it when you find it, and there was obviously a reason you picked those ones. But yeah, well, I think back initially in the day, those would have been the ones that people would open. And well, I do yeah, find yeah, it, yeah. why aren't there more breakdowns? Like there are loads of some of them, yeah, but almost none of others. Like C- Combaticons, yeah, the ten a penny, except Blastoff. Yes, actually, that is like, true. Yes, and then yeah. like uh, like you said, Stunticons, and mm. then there's no breakdown. But then I found a breakdown for thirty five pounds, but I haven't mm. seen one since. You know, it's like. <laughs> There yeah. are some which are tricky, really tricky. So some of those, I mean, I, well, I haven't checked in the last however many years, but certainly some of those, um, you know, those limb guys, you you could get sealed for 20, 25 quid. You know, it was, it was they were plentiful. Um, I don't know what it's like now. But yeah, so one or two of them, like you say, just a bit more difficult. Yeah. Tons of swindles, they're everywhere. So that, that and, and like, uh, I think it's first aid as well. There's just like loads of those. Yeah. First yeah, aid it, is one of the most like ubiquitous toys in this country, isn't he? Like, yeah. I still find him in junk shops today. Like, he's yeah. like one of the very few transformers you can almost guarantee there will be. Twin twist. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, twin twist. Power Master very Prime. Green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true, actually. But yeah, it, it is interesting doing all that hunting for that stuff. I mean, I, I suppose to clarify, you know, just going back a step to talking about uns, unsealing sealed vintage, it's not something that I make a habit of at all. And there's a lot of vintage stuff that I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't look to collect seal just because of the price of it, but then I wouldn't want to unseal it anyway, even if I had it, you know. But some stuff I think I have unsealed one or two bits, do you know what I mean? Of course. Um, but it's all stuff that is like plentiful. And frankly, for some stuff, you're never, or certainly I felt I was never going to find it in the condition that I wanted it to be in. Um, you know, I'm talking stuff like. Um, uh, sparkle bots for example yeah, yeah. you know that just because the... they're never going to be the toys that someone bought back in the day because it was so special looking unseal it and then put it on a shelf and preserve it those toys yeah, were bought exactly. because of the gimmick because yeah. they were cheap and they were used exactly yeah. they were they were yeah i mean it, well, going back to liam's firecon you know it's it's a it's exactly the same thing isn't it they, they the gimmick requires you to use it and as soon as you do you know, you're scuffing it and whatever, and yeah. it just doesn't work properly. And, it's like a pretender um, hat, isn't it? Oh man, don't get me started on those. Can I can I say something really controversial? And Go for it. I know people won't agree with this, but I've, because I knew we were doing packaging, I started thinking of this whole unsealing of vintage toys. And uh, when I unsealed a vintage G1 Darkwing to sticker it up and do an article about it, that Darkwing was given to me for free. And it, the condition was you have to open it, you have to sticker it, and you have to write about it. That's the condition. You can have it for free. And it's funny because I felt at the time that I had a massive backlash against the opening of that toy, like I'd ruined something. Whereas in hindsight, when I looked back at all the comments across all platforms of social media, both in groups of young collectors and groups of more established veteran collectors, there's two people in the end, who'd created a negative vibe about it. But it was such a resonant vibe that I still remember the negativity to today. 
but I was thinking to myself, and and I hope this doesn't come across as arrogant or, or short-sighted, but if you take a vintage G1 toy, one that is not hyper-rare, and you open it, you unseal it, the thinking is that you're denying the community, you're denying the history and the preservation of these toys. But who are you denying? There are enough examples of a particular toy like Darkwing. There are so many photographs and it exists in so many collections in a sealed and sometimes AFA or UKG graded state that if anyone needs to see a sealed, a historically sealed, preserved G1 Darkwing, there are many examples. So I'm not denying the community like that. Who am I denying? The only person I would be denying is the next person to buy it from me because they wanted a sealed one. So that's one person I would be denying. I'm not denying myself because what I wanted was a loose one. But by unsealing that toy, I did a ton of photographs. I did a proper sticker job on it and it looked, and now it's a proper resource photographically. I hope that the photographs are decent of the whole experience. And I know for a fact that I've brought more enjoyment to more people who read that article and saw those photographs versus the people who have suffered as a result of my opening that. The person I bought it from, I didn't even buy it from them. They wanted me to open it. I wanted to open it. And I struggled for a year before I opened that. It was in the shipping box for ages. So when I actually sat down and weighed it up and I thought, who's actually suffering? What's the actual collateral damage to the hobby and the community and history and preservation versus who benefited from it? And uh, it just wasn't a question in my mind after that. And that doesn't apply to every G1 toy certain g1 toys yeah there are levels of course like if you i don't know i would say if you had uh, i don't know like some incredibly rare japanese yeah. generation one thing you know whatever it is you know th then yeah for sure if you had a, a Lyakaiser or something sealed then maybe this would be um, a different conversation but... even takara g1 is notorious for being opened by the stores that sold them originally and then double taped to put That's back true. on display so it, i mean finding sealed vintage diaclone is Forget about it. Is it legitimately sealed? You never know because they were mostly opened. But something like a, a toy that has been mispackaged historically, like that Sunstreaker that you get in a sideswipe box, that shouldn't be unsealed in my opinion because That's it's a different. plentiful toy and that is proof that this was sold in this fashion. That, that I think is a different level of preservation of history. It's interesting because I really enjoyed that article about Darkwing that you did. And I remember reading it at the time. Uh, but I also remember that you were, I suppose, a little bit conscious about the, the couple of comments that you'd had or what have you, um, f which is understandable. I wonder if maybe your worry about some of it is almost your own forgive me for saying but you know you kind of your own kind of feelings of coming to terms with yeah for sure uh, unsealing yeah, something like that yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean and maybe almost like you know being a bit apprehensive about what the reaction might be because of how you feel about it yourself but i think you've yeah. come on a bit of a journey with that stuff as well um in your, in your own way and uh but it I has to be justified like yeah there are sealed items I own that I'm now looking at saying, actually, I won't unseal that. I don't think the benefit of stickering it and photographing it and having that visual resource is worth unsealing this particular specimen. So yeah. that's something. And I go out of my way to not find sealed toys. I don't look for sealed toys. Uh, yeah, it's I, more modern. It's same here. As I say, for me, it's really only 
in the instances where I know that it's only going to be the only way that I can find it in the condition that I might want it, you know, but even then something that's plentiful that, that as you said, there's no detriment to opening it, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so, no, Liam, why didn't you open that Firecorn in the end if it was on a wrecked card? It's because I couldn't bring myself to do it, you know, because it's sealed. There was still that little bit of stigma in, around it and it just, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. it. There was just this constant little gnawing voice at the back of your head saying, this has been sealed for all this time. Hmm. Why should you be the one to open it? And so I'd rather just get rid of it in case somebody else wanted it. But it's incredible now because I regret it and I really wish I'd kept it and opened it. <laughs> and it's just, uh, at the time, it was, there was still just that feeling. That was, because it would have been quite a few years ago now. So at that point, well, I was still If 6 like, sent it back to you tomorrow and said, you can have it back, would you open no it? No pressure. Yeah. Would you open it if he sent it back to you tomorrow? You know or what? Do you think you'd, you'd have the same feelings? And no, I think I think I'd open it. I think in that time, I've kind of my outlook on these things has changed. I was still, I wasn't that big into collecting vintage as much at that point. So I've, I don't know if you remember, but I was always picking up really cheap sort of battered ones because I was quite happy with that. And so it was a very different mentality. Whereas now, I would quite happily open it. And it's incredible to think of that stigma and. Like you there, there's there's some things I wouldn't open, but at the same time, it's amazing that you sort of, like you were saying, you almost were feeling bad about opening it. Like you, that was running through your head for a moment when that's what the, this toy was designed to do, was to be open and taken out and played with, or in your case, photograph it. That's, and it's just incredible that we that we st- that we think of it like that. Not that it's right or wrong. It, it's, it's true. Fascinating. That I, I yeah, I had denying it. the toy what it was built for. <laughs> it's true in a way, yeah. yeah. I had it. Um, there was something the other. I forget what it was. Quite recently, that I think I posted for sale. Can't remember what it was, and it was a sealed item, vintage. I can't remember what it was, and someone said in reply, oh, "I'd love to own it, but I couldn't unseal it. You know, uh, I would feel bad about it or whatever." And I was like, "Well, it's really up to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you feel bad and you know you're not going to enjoy it, then fair enough. Of course, you know, leave it, but." Equally, you know, if you're paying the entry price, really, then it's it's your experience, you know. And some people, I'm sure, pay that price because they want to unseal that stuff and they want to kind of have that, you know, as you said, that that um, you know, the, maybe in their mind, you know, the toy is meant to be enjoyed, you know, and they they want to have that first hand. I'm the first person to actually kind of fiddle with this thing, and um, I don't know. I I've mellowed on the whole thing a little bit as well. I must admit, because there is part of me now um that also thinks with all of this stuff it's toys at the end of the day you know it's plastic it's but are we being incredibly selfish by because we're reaching a certain age and you know more than once i've had the feeling of well i've probably got less years in the hobby than i've got behind me so why don't i just do the things that i've got left that i really want because we're not leaving as many pristine sealed examples of a finite toy line for people who come later and are interested in that. So in a way, we're kind of having an influence on the future value of toys and I the availability. Can, can you can you do that really? Can you leave this hobby, you know, in in it's not a sustainable hobby at the end of the day in that regard. Like, even you know, the toys was, themselves aren't sustainable. I, I was I mean, gonna say toys that, are falling yeah, off bubbles, aren't they? The, Sealed toys are falling off it. bubbles or yellowing well, or I, I actually so one toy I had that um was partially sealed. I think the bubble had been slightly open when I got it. It was Backstreet. And uh, I opened it, and actually it was very nice, but the rub sign was uh, was ruined. I don't know what it was. There was something wrong with the rub sign. And it was almost like it had powdered inside mm. the bubble. 
and it had gone all over the toy and consequently it kind of it just looked a mess honestly and uh it was like a real regret of mine so i ended up picking up one for i think like five or ten quid something like that and it's immaculate honestly and you know it's one of those moments where you go i should have just done this to begin with you know (laughs) but it was um so i but i do think uh that the buying sealed stuff on the times i have done it which is not that often at all but it's no guarantee at all of of getting a quality product you know actually stuff can be broken in the box uh, particularly you know 30 40 years on um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like Schrodinger's Transformers out there. Right. You, know? <laughs> you don't know what state they're in. Um, Black Zarek is, you know, is a great one, actually. There's a, you know, a toy like that. I would say definitely, I mean, don't unbox, don't, maybe don't unseal a Black Zarek, you know. You know, starters, someone did but... that at BotCon. Someone uh, bought and a sealed broken? Black Zarek. No, unsealed oh, it okay. in front of a crowd of attendees, proceeded to take it out of the box in front of the group of surrounding fans who had gathered, and he broke it. Just right there, Ooh. sealed Black Zarek opened first transformation and it broke. He's got a hell of a story out of it, though, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's one that's persistent. <laughs> Which, but six, know, I don't don't feel too bad about the backstreet. If it had a rub sign, it's the '90s Chinese release. And oh no, I, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I know that, and I knew that going in. Don't worry. But um, but it was um, the Black Zarek. I suppose I use it as an example. So I was going to say, I think it's perfectly possible that there are sealed Black Zareks out there that you know may well be broken just on account of how they've been handled, you know, in the box or whatever. Um, yeah. I use that as one example. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty, but I, I think it is interesting this idea of like sealed vintage being, uh, you know, it's only really um, good as long as it's sealed, I suppose, isn't it? You know, the second you unseal it, and then it's it's interesting what you're saying about kind of keeping that worth for future generations because anything um, loose. You know, as soon as you handle it, you're deteriorating it. Really, you know, right. white plastic, all of that is going to deteriorate. Let's not talk about gold plastic. You know, but even yeah. stickers, things like that, chrome, it's all going to wear. Yeah, the uh, bubbles. You know, yeah, like G1 hook is positioned on the card in a way that the pointy part of the back of the truck, the hook section, you know, if it rattles around in the bubble, it pierces the bubble. So a sealed hook with a perfect bubble is actually considered quite rare. So right. there's things like that that maybe if you come across a really perfect sealed hook, it's like worth thinking about maybe this is of a very finite number. And if I just want a perfect hook, I could mm. find one with a damaged bubble and, and I'll open that or whatever the case may be. That's a consideration I, I like to employ before I ever consider buying or unsealing a toy. Yeah. But I, I have bought are... quite a number of G1 that are sealed to their backing card. They don't have a box anymore. The box has been damaged or water damaged or hasn't existed for years or unused G1 inside the styro. Like the box is gone, but the styro is there. So the toy is actually exposed and yeah. I've used those toys. And, and that's about as far as I'm comfortable going without any sort of conscious decision about whether this is something I want to do. Because I am, you know, I'm considerate of history and, and specimens and stuff like that and preservation. Oh, see, I just can't get on board with that. I mean, I can understand it. It's just, you know, you're saying about it being a finite sort of resource almost and for depriving somebody else. It's just a lot of these things, you know, they're going to end up in, I don't know, in storage and things as well, aren't they? And it, I don't know. I think personally, I feel a lot better knowing that somebody's enjoyed a toy rather than putting it away. Like I know from myself where I've had sealed stuff and I've ummed and over it so much, I put it in storage, not because I didn't love it, but just because... I didn't want to leave it out or do something, mm. so I just put it away. And then it's like, who's getting any enjoyment of that? All it is is yeah, I own it. And then it's there's a lot of people, like I say a lot of people, there are people, should I say, that, and 
and it's it's actually the part of the fandom that I don't like that much or want or see myself as part of. It's when you sort of see them talking like vintage toys should be almost like considered a protected species almost, you know, by mm. UNICEF or something. And it goes a little bit far. It's like, how are you touching that? Why didn't it? Still well, like... There are certain toy communities which do exile collectors if they're known to have opened a sealed specimen. Not Transformers, but... You know, if you're known to have unsealed a vintage specimen from that toy line, you're basically exiled from the community. And really? You're like ostracized. Yeah. No, that's, See, I've heard that from more than one person. I get, I get the idea of not wanting to unseal very rare stuff, you know, really particular stuff. I can understand that all the way. But the majority of stuff is if you're buying it, you should enjoy it as you want to. And as, I agree with you. Yeah. As mortifying as it might be seeing somebody open a vintage toy for a moment. They're still then, it's like they've done it because they want to do something with it. And that toy, then now it gets to live its life and it's, you know, mm. it's being used. And it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's a, shelf. I just, I can you know. quantify that though? Like the, the sealed collector, he keeps it sealed or he or she keeps it sealed and they display it in a beautiful sealed museum style collection that many, many people enjoy looking at versus the person who buys it. And if, you know, not everyone takes photos of their toys and then makes a resource out of it or makes an experience that many people enjoy reading about. Um, and, you know, we, we can talk till we're blue in the face about, uh, oh, this is the first time I opened it. It's got that smell. And then I opened the baggie and I looked at the catalog, which has never been looked at. And I took the decoder strip out. And then there was this like me leaflet for a mail away. And, oh, it was so nostalgic. And it really took me back. Is someone who's 30 years younger than us going to give a monkeys about that? No, I don't know if it will be the same because ultimately, you know, you're not going to hold something that you didn't grow up with in the same reverence. Are you? It's not going to have the same kind of nostalgic feel to it. It's not going to have the same touch points, you know, things like the Dakota Strip and stuff like that. You know, it's not, you may think it's cool or whatever, but really, you know, only in the same way as like a new thing that you pick up, the latest studio series or War for Cybertron or whatever, you know, you're not necessarily going to hold it in the same uh, sphere so I think it's really interesting but I do think it's worth acknowledging as well though that actually enjoyment uh, is very multifaceted because you know we're talking about enjoying toys like in the traditional sense you know that you unseal them and you play with them or whatever but there is and there are of course collectors that get their enjoyment from seeing those sealed those sealed specimens uh, you know in all their minty glory and as you sort of said Maz you know those kind of museum-esque displays and things as well i mean it's not my bag but i do kind of admire it in its own way as well like i would never do that but you know to see it it is kind of impressive um so i guess it's just worth acknowledging like you're saying there about kids opening it and not enjoying it the same way we did it's just like at what point do these toys then still in the package move on from being just toys that are in a package to antiques that are sold mm-hmm. on to people who have no interest in them but they're just buying them because they're expensive that I mean that's, that's true not exactly happening now but that's where it goes isn't it so then i think that's where for me i'd rather that toy have been taken out played with broken and lost than just end up passed down to some nameless person who just you know has it because it's worth mm-hmm. something without well, knowing the history or caring about it yeah one other consideration i remember the feeling of coming onto the transformers fandom for the first time and seeing an unused G1 sticker sheet for the first time since my childhood. And I remember that moment distinctly and this rush of nostalgia and like, wow, I remember those sticker sheets. And obviously, if we all do what some of us have been doing and using vintage sticker sheets up, if everyone did that, 
uh, there would be no more vintage sticker sheets. And that feeling for the next person would be lost forever. So that is also a consideration. That's something that has crossed my mind. Even though numerically there's probably enough collectors who don't do that and enough vintage sticker sheets and not enough people who still have nostalgia for G1 but have not already engaged with G1 since in their adult lifetimes for that not to be the case. Yeah, I get that. It's just Maybe numerically it's not a thing. Yeah, I suppose thinking about it though, if they don't open the box, they're not going to see those things anyway. If these things all stay sealed forever, that's what I mean. A lot of yeah, these things so. won't get sealed, seen by anybody anyway. It will just continue down. And it's, I think, really what I'd like to see is the Natural History Museum get one of every package and put it on display. Yeah, and then everyone idea. can go and look at it. And that's it. Do you know, speaking of that, I don't know if any of you have ever been to the the Museum of Childhood in Bethnal Green. I think it is. And uh, they have a Transformers G1 display. And uh, obviously, you know, these museums, they rely on donations. So it's not a particularly good display. And I remember writing to them and saying, I'm happy to give you examples of nice G1 Transformers to display. And I, you know, but they never got back to me. But I mean, I maybe I should just donate anyway. Just send it to them. But is that something the like that. The, is that the one with the Grimlock? Grimlock was in the Natural History Museum. It was in, in the, the Natural... Yeah, yeah, that's right. But even that's not there anymore. I mean, no, I, I it's gone. It, I haven't seen it the last two times I've been. Uh, last time was 2019, but... Yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember. I so. remember seeing that years ago and just being so happy it was there. It was just... It's amazing you're trying to buy all these dinosaur skeletons, all this amazing yeah, yeah. stuff. And the the oldest thing that you're excited about there is the G1 Grimlock. It's really yes, funny. absolutely. Yeah, everyone always remembers it. I remember actually going to a museum, toy museum of some description in... Trying to think where we were. My wife and I had gone around a bit of Eastern Europe. I think we may have been in Prague at the time. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. And we went to a toy museum, and they had a nu- numerous Transformers in there. Not like too many, but you know, some really interesting ones. Uh, and that was kind of cool to see them. You know, with some of these very historical, um, you know, old toys, lots of dolls and things like that as well. But lots of like 1940s stuff, and then Transformers. Uh, that was really cool. I'm really trying to think where it was. Um, so, as in there's a museum in the US which has currently got a unicorn prototype on display, isn't there? That's, That's quite right. wonderful. That's right. Yeah, I did hear that. That's interesting. So, imagine getting to just see that and just being yeah. completely unaware of what it is. Whereas right. we're all like, "Oh my god, this is insane! A holy grail!" Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Here's one for you. Just kind of going back a step about keeping toys sealed and all of that kind of stuff. Um, what about people that now buy new toys and keep them sealed specifically for, I don't know, for value or for for whatever it may be? Because uh, I don't know about you, but I always find it kind of funny. Like I've had a few discussions with um, a couple of collectors or fans or whatever that are doing this, you know, so they've bought, let's say, the lo- the latest studio series. I think Hot Rod was a good example of like people buying a couple of multiples and they're like, oh, you know, I've bought one to keep it sealed. Uh, and and I do Liam, always kind of get Liam. I don't know if you can hear me, but I reckon he's talking about us. <laughs> I actually wasn't. Yeah. I know that both of you have jab. done that. Don't, don't, I know... don't tell him, Maz, but I'm feeling a bit attacked here. All oh, right. I know that both of you have that, but forgive me because I think I sold your... mine today. Actually, as he well, goes. your your reasoning <laughs> for having a sealed one was in case you broke it, right? Like to have a spare. <laughs> yeah. Well, that says a lot about me, doesn't it? Can, can I just point I mean... out mine's only sealed because I've been too lazy to open it again. <laughs> <laughs> But like in Maz's case, it seems like a good precaution because we all know his <laughs> propensity for breaking toys. But even toys I've sold to other people are now breaking. 
it's true. Like an alternator's mirage I sold to someone like six years ago has broken, and they're pretty sure it's because it was mine. It's delayed mass. That's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's like the whole COVID and long COVID thing. It's just like it's long mass. That's it's like oh, the delayed nice. after effect. Uh, but it's um, it's interesting because I do see people doing this now. And I wasn't meaning you guys, but I was meaning people specifically buying those toys to keep presumably for later value or whatever. Yeah. And you, you do see people doing it as well with, I don't know, toys that are, I'm probably going to sound a bit, I don't know what I'm going to sound like when I say this, hopefully not bad, but toys that are just not worth very much. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and it's interesting because at what rate are they imagining that that stuff is going to appreciate to the point where it's actually worth keeping it sealed and taking up space in your house for all of that time? Do you know what I mean? That's what I can never kind of, uh, I suppose, get my head around. Because there is, with all of this, even with G1, actually, to to a certain extent, you know, if you're if you're just doing it from a value perspective of like, oh, it's going to be worth something. Hmm. I mean, there are better ways to make money, let's be yeah. honest. Do you know what I mean? That's that's taking up a lot of uh, space in your house for something that actually is never really going to be worth that much money. Uh, yeah, it's, it's speculation based on exactly. recent history. I imagine at the time, people may have been a little bit funny about why would someone hold on to a sealed Sam's Club R.I.D. Optimus Prime, but that person today is probably going, yeah, look at me now, 20 years later, Made three hundred dollars. I love how relevant that is to you right now. As well, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, check his eBay yeah, so, history. But yeah. that's twenty years. You would have had to hang on to that for twenty years to make a couple of hundred dollars on it. That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, and 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 now now you may sit there. I mean, if you had one, of course, by happenstance, you would sit there now and think, well, hey, quid's in. That's you know that'll uh, you know that that's a, a good little payday. Do you know what I mean, or whatever for for a secondhand sale, but. The idea of purposely keeping that stuff to then net a profit of some sort, mm. I always just think is kind of mad. It's just an interesting one. I'm not knocking it at all. I know some people do do it, and some people I'm sure get maybe they get a pleasure from it or whatever it is. But I think it's not it's not um it's not a quick buck, is it? Let's be honest. And even then, no. when when payday comes, it's like you said, you know what? Potentially two three hundred dollars of profit over twenty years. You know, it's it's. Uh, Man, yeah. yeah. At the same time, I saw someone selling a sealed Diaclone Big Powered from what was that, 2017, 2018, for like $650 yesterday. And really? this is a toy that I sold less than 24 months ago for 200 quid. And that was less than retail. Yeah. That, that, so somehow, di- that Diaclone stuff, though, it's, yeah, it is mad. It is mad. And the prices of some of that just shooting up, isn't it? But, you know, that's interesting, actually, because that reminds me more of fans' toys. Because, mm. you know, a lot of fans' toys stuff on the aftermarket goes for, I think, mad, yeah. ridiculous sums, to be yeah, honest. Their lupus is, is pretty mad still, isn't Shocking. it? Shocking. Shocking. But if they reissued that tomorrow, which I don't think they yeah. will, but if they did, you know, people have been hanging on to that, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Look at the Insecticons. Well, yeah. Yeah, they, didn't they sell like just a couple of months ago? Some dude got oh, one thousand pounds. I think it was like weeks before. Yeah, like, yeah it was mere weeks. weeks before they reissued. Two it. weeks, I think it was something like oh. that. Yes, it was. I, I, I saw that sale going. Uh, you know, the better part of a grand yeah. for those three Insecticons. You know, not. We not... were all surprised. Well, we were like, "This can't be happening." Who's yeah. paid a grand for that? It happened. It happened. I bet he was running down to the post office just thinking, "Don't reissue him in this next day." 
That's it. But but it's it's unusual actually for fans toys to reissue stuff in that way. Mm. But I do think that it's interesting because um, you know, all of that third party scene is kind of insane anyway for aftermarket prices or whatever. It happened but with something... Quakewave, didn't it? Yeah. They reissued really Quakewave and then it was like within so, the time frame that MP Shockwave came out as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry to it's, interrupt. I apologize. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, because you're right. It's it's an interesting point as well. But there's been a few examples of this. Lupus is the other obvious one, I think. But there are a couple of their uh products. You know, so the, even the Dinobots now as well, mm. you know, have, have really kind of crept up. Um and you know, are, are very desirable, you know, if you were selling them or whatever. But I think all of that is really fascinating. Uh, and we're kind of getting into aftermarket yeah. now and away from packaging a little bit, I guess. But uh, it, it's it's still mad to me to see that stuff going for the prices that it does. Yeah. So in the case of toys like, uh, like a fan's toy Stomp, which is a marvelous toy, you know, not a lot of third-party toys have left a lasting impression on me as time has gone, but that one did. See, that toy, if that's sealed, no one is paying a premium for that because of the packaging. No. They're paying it for because the contents inside are perfect and there's the contents they want. But I, I wouldn't understand anyone who would buy... Like, I'd, I'd need them to explain to me why they would be buying stuff like that and keeping it sealed. Because it's people, also not a window box. It's yeah. Like, do people keep third-party sealed, though? Do yes, people keep, absolutely. Do, yes, do they? they do. do people yeah, keep yeah. I knew a collector sealed. in London who... Yes, absolutely, they do. Hmm. Um... I remember buying um, the Make Toys Wrestle, the Grapple Masterpiece Scale from right. a collector in London. Walked to his house, actually, and picked it up. Uh, of course, he didn't let me into his house. He made me stand outside his gate, which was a few meters away from his front door. Well, that's a whole different story. Why? But- He's obviously why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he saw you coming. I remember he told me, don't call me. Don't call me. Just... Uh, Message me Delete on Facebook. Delete my number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was really, he obviously had a weird relationship with his collection and, and other people. And um, he always bought one extra of everything he was purchasing. Even like he kept everything sealed, third party masterpiece, and it was all none of it was window box. It was all just the closed box, and it didn't even have box artwork. Really, most of the masterpiece it's just like stylized stock photography mm. so and i remember he used to keep his own one sealed and he just happened to have a second one and i bought my make toys wrestle from him and I, I i never understood why he was buying that stuff especially third party mp to fill in a gap in the official line and then to keep that sealed and i didn't really understand what the appeal of that was yeah i think i didn't get that it's a weird one yeah i was just gonna say i think it goes to like you were just saying about people buying sort of new toys that aren't worth much and keeping a second one. I think it's not always with the idea of selling it though, is it? There's a lot of people will buy multiples and I think a lot of it is it's like bottling that same feeling of having the toys still in Mm. the box and sealed. I think maybe you're right, yeah. So there's always that experience of it's still there and it's that, because like we were talking about earlier, when you go into the shop, it was always exciting seeing them Mm -hmm. and there is something to be said sometimes where the idea of getting something is more exciting than you till you've actually got it, isn't it? When you've opened a door yeah. sometimes, it's less appealing than you thought it was. This, it looks better in the packaging. Like, yeah. And it can tell you on something totally different. And so I think a lot of people will collect. So it's even like Siege stuff and War for Cybertron stuff, which you can pick up at bargain places for nothing. But a lot of people will buy multiples just to have that. And then, yeah, then but then you do see people then will sell it like a year later because they realize they've got no room left or something like that. And yeah, yeah. It doesn't even go for that much, but the idea wasn't to buy it to, mm-hmm. to speculate fair. as such. But yeah. a lot of it, there is also element, isn't there? It's a lot like comic book buyers used to be where you'd get all these people to buy number one, even mm. though it's worth absolutely nothing, not realizing like number two and three are the ones that are going to be expensive mm. because they make 
Yeah, 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 just, yeah. There's always that element in every sort of collector base where there will be people who buy stuff like that. But I imagine it's the same for third parties as well. People and like some, to have. I guess you can't. Yeah, and sometimes you can't predict that stuff. I mean, that stuff. I mean, actually, um, you know, talking about comic books, that's a good example. You know, sometimes it's unpredictable which issues are going to end up becoming valuable because, yeah. it, and it's sometimes because of an event that happens in the story right. that isn't significant yeah. at the time, but then is in retrospect. Um, but then, who would have predicted that fans' toys, Weird Wolf, Lupus of all of them, would be the one that would you know, reach megabucks on the aftermarket. Nobody, when that toy was released, I remember yeah. reviewing it and people were like, eh, you Same. know, really, yeah. really couldn't give two stuffs about it. No. And then and suddenly... it wasn't that great a toy either, really. But isn't that often the case though as well, that it's the yes. stuff that people don't pay attention to in right. the beginning? Anime Astro buys. Train. Yeah, exactly. Anime Astro Train all over there's again. Always, there's always that. an event, isn't it? There? There's always like something that is unexpected, like more than meets the eye comic. Uh, the retailer incentive of issue 19 with the Nick Roach's cover of the Magnus helmet, the empty Magnus helmet, is by far the most valuable uh, comic cover in that series. Because I think um, it, was a, it wasn't it was even like a really crazy rare retailer incentive. I think maybe just people didn't order enough of it or, or maybe it was advertised as a 1 in 10, but it was actually a 1 in 50 or something along those lines is the story. But they just didn't get that many in or people didn't want it. And as a result, as time passes, people struggle then to find it and it massively exponentially increases in desirability and price. But it's always like because of a specific event. And maybe that lupus is the same thing. People didn't go for it. It's like, am I really want to get in on fans' toys headmasters? Like, really? And now, especially as they haven't even finished the set yet. I mean, we're (laughs) still waiting on Skullcruncher at the moment, which is kind of funny. But uh, anyway, I digress. We've spoken a lot about um, G1 packaging and Masterpiece and things like that, but packaging has changed, hasn't it, a lot over the years through the different lines. As as you can see, if you go from G1 to Beast Wars, things change there, don't they? You get this things like the blisters get a lot bigger, don't they? Like before it was reserved a lot for mini bots and things, wasn't it? And in G Wars, the G Wars, Beast Wars. <laughs> G Wars, Generation Wars. That's basically the fandom, isn't it? It's the uh, Fifty Cent Transformer toy line. That is G Wars. <laughs> but um, it's changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? So, what have been your sort of some of your favourite experiences of packaging for the different toy lines? Ah, uh, I think um, I didn't see Beast Wars packaging um, during my collecting time. Uh, really? I obviously missed all of 1989, 1990, like Turbo Masters and like uh, stuff like that, uh, Obliterators. And it, yeah, going back and looking at it, I quite like it, even though it doesn't remind me of G1 the way packaging up to 89 or even Goldbox does. I like it. Uh, the The next time packaging really stood out to me was Car Robots. And that was like... Uh, it's still dictating what I buy today. We talked about Superfire Convoy. It was because of the packaging evoking certain something in me. I'll never forget how I felt when I first saw the JRX box. And having now gotten the JRX again, uh, it's probably the best condition JRX I've ever had out of the four or five I've owned. This is a proper Japanese car robots Takara gift set JRX in unused condition. It still even has like the tissue paper over them. And that is the feeling I was looking for. And it's it's tissue paper. I hope for. Yeah, yeah, tissue paper. That's the feeling I was of, looking for of, of tissue paper. Yes, the the tissue paper on top meant everything to me. I remember walking into a store in Soho, asking them to get down their JRX for me so I could look at it. This was back in two thousand, and uh, and I ripped the tissue paper 
I wasn't supposed to. I think the guy was really annoyed with me. I didn't think he knew it was on there just to look at the toys. But I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to buy it. It's all right. I just wanted to have a look. I was like, I was that guy. But yeah, so car robots packaging. And I know that robots in disguise are far more affordable. And sometimes the toys are even better looking. Uh, and sometimes and they're packaging. exactly the same. Packaging. Yeah, I want the car robots packaging because I, I love car robots packaging. I've never yeah. forgotten how God Magnus looks on that box and it's stayed with me for years for decades it's but quite busy I, the, the the design of it what, but it's so what, consistent and yeah, yeah, yeah it's, nice. it's that feeling of oh my god transformers are back from the year 2000 that i connected it to but i actually really like rid packaging like i love the way the trains look in rid packaging they're all angled slightly away from you and I yeah. think that looks really nice they're they're roomy boxes actually like yeah, some of those the the trains especially uh you know because obviously the cars and stuff are all on blisters but the the trains are really uh surprised by how big those boxes yeah. are for the and the they were carded the for car robots weren't they the trains yeah. were carded yeah yeah you know, except for the gift set version so yeah I, I thought um rid and car robots packaging both of them actually I, I really loved i really really liked them i even remember the carded uh spy changes the two that were sold on the same i remember mm. buying one of those from woolworths and just really liking it i kept my rid car brothers packaging for over 15 years um before i before i sold the set and i sold it with the packaging in the end it's, um, it was an amazing way to come back with that there wasn't it because it's so g1 evocative but at the same time right. when you look at the cars they're very similar to beast wars in sort of the size aren't they with the massive bubbles yeah that it felt very much like a continuation from beast wars packaging actually yeah. i think and and someone that really did enjoy beast wars packaging at the time when it was being released it, it felt like a continuation from that for sure uh, i mean actually even stuff like the trains and whatever in the, the slightly larger boxes that all is quite ev evocative of beast wars uh, one thing beast wars did i think really well was that the packaging was hugely consistent across uh, the different class sizes that they had so like basics were all in bubbles um, and actually uh, deluxes as well uh, but then you had Mega in a in a particular sort of square size, you know, rectangular box, what have you, and um, and Ultras as well. And it all felt, uh, and then the Combiners were in a kind of sort of slightly more flat but tall box. Um, and it all felt really just nicely laid out. Like I remember seeing it in shops and thinking this is hugely accessible and like really kind of cool. So how were, you know, like how were they packaged inside the bubbles? Like with G1 bubbles, you just, there's bubble and card. Remove bubble, toy is there. And then like with, um, with some of these carded car robots figures, like from the year 2000, the Car Brothers, you've got the bubble and then you've got like an insert tray inside yeah. the bubble. It's so, like a little clamshell almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so was it difficult with Beast Wars packaging to get to the inner beast? <laughs> what a setup. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. You and your Did inner you beast. Did you struggle to access the inner beast? I don't that think I've ever struggled to access my inner beast, honestly. <laughs> I, I was just getting ready to start talking about like the Beast Wars motif and how much I liked it, you know, the eye and stuff, and then I'm like hanging mm. on the edge of my seat I, listening to Maz talk. Like, I tell you, I same. I'm not going to lie. I was really paying attention and like hanging on to that as well because I was like, oh man, he's, he's, he's coming up with a really serious question here. I'm no, going to look but, like I'm, you know. But it is also a serious question. Like, what was the packaging like? Because obviously I had never experienced that clamshell packaging inside the... So yeah. I'd missed that entire era of toys. It was, I think the, the thing that a lot of people remember about Beast Wars is the kind of like rock style that they've got going on almost. So it's the, the bubbles and everything. Is they were molded just, specifically, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And it was very cool. And obviously, Liam's right. It had the eye uh, at the back, which was a real kind of visual 
yes. memory thing. You know, a lot it's of iconic. Really kind of, just say it's it, like it is, yeah, iconic. yeah. I think yeah for Beast Wars fans, definitely. You know, it's, I still it's think it's right up there as amongst the best Transformers packaging ever. And you know uh, me, I'm not even beautiful. a big Beast Wars fan, but that logo with the green logo and the Raptor eye is so cool. It I love cool. it. And no I question. love the raptor eye. I love that they've brought it back for Kingdom, but put the arc going through the eye. I think that is exceptionally clever. I don't know if you, have you seen that. Yeah. Um, the, the it way shows someone's paying attention, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, someone that designed that is a Beast Wars fan. I can tell you. That's not just like someone's randomly gone. Hey, that would be cool. That's like mm -hmm. that's there's a love there, which I think is really really nice in the Kingdom. Uh, packaging for sure but yeah no it was, it was it was essentially just yeah bubbles with a little kind of clamshell thing inside um so you know same same old deal really uh nothing too remarkable in that score but just the packaging itself was yeah very uh cool to see and then a lot of like insert trays uh card card trays inside the larger boxes yeah, and they would have been uh, secured down, what, similar to how something like a rotor storm would have been secured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A, a lot of twisty ties um, and things like that, if memory serves. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, <laughs> unsealed uh, a vintage Beast Wars item. Um, I opened one recently, the one that you guys got me, Terrasaur, and I actually can't remember what the inside of it was like. I was so blown away by the... If the memory serves, <laughs> yeah, we were onto twisty ties at that point, I think. Um... I'm trying to remember now, actually. When when Twisty Ties kind of became re really well, prevalent, anyway. They were definitely prevalent in the Unicron Trilogy, weren't they? They were, yeah, they were, for sure. Um, but Unicron Trilogy, at that point, you start to see a real variance between... Uh, well, I guess it started with car robots, really, because... Uh, or I say that, actually, I'm going back further. You know, Beast Wars, I was going to say the, the variance between Takara and Hasbro. Uh, I mean, it's always been there since G1, I and mean, we talked about it earlier, but I'm just thinking back through the various lines. And I think that's really interesting in itself, because actually Beast Wars, um, I wouldn't say was too different. Like, the style of the artwork and everything on the boxes is different, but I think it's when you get to Unicron Trilogy that it starts to get really different, in my mind, because a lot of the Unicron Trilogy... Uh, boxes in Japan are closed window, as in there's mm. no window. Mm. Uh, whereas actually the Hasbro ones are all uh, are all open window, um, and very different style as well. I drastically prefer the Unicron trilogy Takara packaging. I think it's really quite gorgeous, actually. Uh, you know, really lovely drawn artwork on the front and everything. Uh, and the, the Hasbro packaging is nice, but just for me, there's something truly spectacular about that Unicron trilogy. Takara packaging. It's almost a shame, isn't it, now, when you think about how Hasbro and Takara have the same packaging. I mean, it's, the Hasbro packaging has really gone up and it's really nice. It's just sort of a shame that you don't get that contrast anymore. With everything I did, same, I did like. see um, a picture of a totally complete studio series uh, recently, and it actually looked really cool, especially displayed from the side with all of the character artwork on the side with the what was confusing, obviously, is that they're all numbered, but then the Studio Series 86, they're all just 86, 86, 86, 86. Yeah. And they've released enough toys in that line that 86 is a legitimate number that you would expect the toys to have reached by now. There were so many. I didn't realize there were so many Studio Series toys. But that's jumping way ahead, but because you were just talking about modern packaging and the difference yeah, between yeah, them. No, no. Yeah, Absolutely. like you're saying, Hasbro stepped up their packaging game, and I, lo I love Studio Series packaging. I, it is nice, definitely. So, But I think a lot of the War for Cybertron stuff, actually, at the moment, the, the Siege packaging 
uh, and the Kingdom packaging, as I say, I think mm. is is good as a whole. You know, the artwork, especially the Titan class toys, like yeah. the massive artwork on a Scorponok or the Triptychon. You know, that's really really amazing looking boxes. And then I guess there's uh, well, we talked about it briefly earlier, uh, but there is Binal Tech as well. The old uh, <laughs> the old favorite Binal Tech. I mean, we could talk about Binal Tech for hours, of course, but uh, let's just talk about the boxes because um, I think we we talked about it right at the beginning, didn't we? And just said that that's really like collector orientated packaging. Which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know felt to me like looking at everything that had come before it felt like the first time that we'd really seen that in Transformers. Maybe I don't know. Maybe like all of the other the previous lines, everything had been more sort of geared towards not not necessarily like geared towards kids, but this was the first one that was geared specifically towards collectors. Would you agree? Yeah, especially that the cars were on a display stand in the box. Right. So that and that clamshell that came with Vinyl Tech, I found that really easy to deal with. And then, of course, the toys just go straight back into that, and then they can go back into the box. And they did have a twisty tie, but it was just basically one twisty tie. You untwisted it, yeah, yeah, for most of them, for most yeah, of them. Yeah. Oh yes, of course, yeah. yeah. Because some of them so, have more. But, but I, th- I thought that was really good packaging. It was uh, perfect for stacking as well, because a, a vast majority of Vinyl Tech were all the same size until you sort of get to Vinyl Tech asterisk. But then that was gorgeous. Like the back of that had stunning artwork, and then you had yeah. uh, Kiss Players, which was definitely yeah. Kiss Players. Yeah, yeah. The Kiss Players packaging. I mean, obviously, people are going to, you know, have their opinions on Kiss Players, and and you know, the fiction is pretty, pretty. Uh, we have to bleep this whole section out. Uh, yeah, I, let's not let's not go into it. Let's put, it's put just, a disclaimer: it's, not for yeah, people exactly. under the age of thirty-two. L- let's not go there. But even even the um, the toys, I remember getting those toys in hand for the first time and thinking, "Wow, this uh, you know the, <laughs> the drawings and things on them uh, is is kind of kind of pushing it a bit for me." Do you know what I mean? It's it, it was it was a yeah. They're, they're weird. Let's put it that way. And the thing is, they don't even display the toy that well, so no, they're they not. Don't. They're not even like, oh, that's a shame because the artwork is so nice. You know, that sort of watercolor artwork that they have. And then you think, well, actually, that's not even that nice to display alongside anything. The shape of the boxes was so absolutely weird as well. Yeah, really They don't really fit with anything, yeah. No, impossible. And and impossible, actually, to keep nice, the boxes, because of Mm -hmm. like all the flaps and everything, the way it unfolds. Kind of clever the the way that the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of clever the way that the CD is inserted, I think. But right. even then, the, as soon as you take it out, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. It was just, yeah, yeah, just a, a weird one all around. And as I say, the, I mean, the packaging art is not something I would ever display. No, and let's sure. face it, we, we were buying that line heavily based on superb vehicle modes, and the vehicle mode wasn't the primary focus of the packaging, so it didn't even sit well with everything else. So while alternators by Hasbro started off in these massive boxes, you could see the whole vehicle, but it was cavernous around it. And it was really weird, wasn't it? Because you didn't have um, a plastic window. You had this really big box, and then you had... No, the first few releases had a plastic window, and the blue mm. boxes, you remember, like, smoke screen up to Hound. And then came the red alternators boxes, where they were just like... There was this space. It was like a bubble that holds the toy in the middle... Yeah, and then you've got loads of space and then it's sort of like red outer box. And then we went to the, the worst packaging they had, which was the bubble boxes, which are yeah. also rubbish to stack. They are awful to stack and, and really hard to, I think as we said earlier, really hard to kind of keep pristine as well because they just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it, you've, got to, you've got to rip them basically to get them out. Um, yeah, it was a lot of faff, for, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I will say though, actually, that those um, those bubble boxes, I think, look excellent when they're new. You know, like right. you can see the you can see the car 
almost 360 degrees, which is Mm -hmm. really quite cool. And actually, in terms of, as you said, showing off the alt mode, I think it did it quite well, actually, in that regard. Um, It's just that everything else about that packaging was... um, a bit less fortunate maybe but uh, yeah and they borrowed from vinyl tech didn't they with the little circular aperture at the end at the back of the car did. so that was yeah, kind of cool, cool. and artwork yeah. was a thing that you know they got exclusive artwork those um bubble boxes even characters who had been previously released got new artwork for those releases except yeah, in europe we, where it was just a photo of the toy that's true that's true uh, yeah, artwork is um, mm. artwork is kind of a whole thing, though, isn't it? Because yes. I was thinking, I was thinking about it. We haven't really touched on it too much tonight, but mm. I was thinking how interesting actually the kind of evolution of the artwork is. Uh, I mean, obviously, you guys, you know, both know that I do the old box art polls and everything on Twitter, and there's been mm-hmm. you know lots of focus on G one in that, um, which is I vote in them uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, as same. you should do. Definitely. As you should do. Um, yeah, it's all kicking off at the moment with uh, in 1989. But um, yeah, there, there's a lot of focus on G1, obviously, in that. But what I do love is seeing the kind of evolution of box art to a point. And then obviously, it kind of goes through Beast Wars, which was excellent, the box art, I think. And then Beast Machines was just literally a picture of Cheetor from the cartoon. And I think that Beast Machines packaging for me, just was so naff just because of that, you know, yeah. just because they put no effort in with the artwork or anything. It was just so generic. Uh, it's very that, pound stretcher of... packaging, isn't it? It's got that yeah. kind of cheap toy you'd find in there. Sort of <laughs> it really is. And and I think um, I remember it being a big deal, actually, at the time uh, for the internet presence that I did have at the time, which was not much, but, you know, some uh, kind of, you know, time on the internet reading about this stuff, not much. But and I remember it being a big a big thing, you know, um, and and seeing pictures of the some of the toys and the packaging on, uh, you know, people like Ben Yee that were sharing lots of pictures of it at the time and would check out his site and things like that. It was um, it felt like a come down even at, at the age that I was, you know, and with sort of probably not that much uh, focus on the boxes and things. It did feel like oh, this is a real major step backwards. And I think it's unfortunate with Beast Machines that you know. I actually quite like Beast Machines, and I'll stick up for it at the best of times. But it did feel, in you know, that was one element uh, amongst a few that felt like a step backwards from Beast Wars, which was a, a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's as we were talking about earlier, the like the packaging on Beast Wars was so fantastic and just brilliant to look at. Yeah. Even not being a big fan of Beast Wars, it was I could really step back and appreciate it. But Beast Machines, every time I saw it, it was that first time where I was like, oh no, it's not really transforms for me this yeah i mean that was beast machines in general but the packaging had that just like you said naf was a great uh, descriptor of it but um just what you're saying about binotech a minute ago about you know it being like the earliest sort of examples of collector packaging it's amazing when you think back to that time because we were talking about the binotech episode but it really is when people start to or hasbro sorry start to focus on collectors isn't it because this is where you also start getting the g1 book boxes isn't it which the oh, the they were earlier, was... I think. Uh, they were they're earlier. Slightly was... earlier, but it's that same yeah, era, I'm... isn't it? It's that same yeah, couple that of years. Commemorative, commemorative G1 Hasbro packaging in Toys R Us would have been 2001, 2002. And that yeah. was already featuring like Pat Lee style Dreamwave artwork on the boxes. And um, but it's funny how you were still you were getting magazine adverts with the same style of artwork and the same orange background saying things like, Oh, what was the jazz advert I had? Like your mum threw this out, or your mum gave this away yeah. in a second. I saw, but now you can own it again, or something I've like seen that. that. Yeah, actually, yeah. I actually have that ad somewhere around here. But yeah, 
We do have it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mass collects ads. <laughs> I do. I do collect ads. It's she true. Does. Vintage ads. Yeah, I do. They're cool. <laughs> you would love uh, some of the ads. I'm sure you've seen some of them. I know you have seen some of them, actually, that they did in the Marvel UK comic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they had some amazing, uh, like, Target Master adverts, Headmasters, all I believe I have stuff. that one, actually. Yeah, they are really cool. I seem to recall us discussing. I think it was the Target Master one, but yeah, they, they had they had uh, bespoke artwork on those. A lot of them, and they were really nicely drawn. I don't know who the artists were and what have you. It didn't seem to be the same artists that were doing the regular comic. Um, those are yeah, my strongest absolutely. memories of the comic. You know, as a kid, yeah. those that drawn adverts exactly. to the toys. Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful. Even even the uh, it was like they tried to recreate the catalog. You know, like the the sort of I'm sure you've both yeah. got the image burnt in your brain. You know, like the picture of the catalog where you've got Hot Rod and Cup and all of those guys lined up in toy form. They'd almost like drawn them really small, the toys in both modes and things like that for some of the uh, the adverts. Right. It was very very cool, um, but it was like a real style unto itself, away from mm. the packaging and things like that at the time. So quite interesting. I think it's the Slugslinger versus Point Black one I remember the it best. Is. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good one. So then we've got um, Masterpiece, haven't we? Mm. Oh, we said a little bit about reissues earlier. We talked about the collector's edition packaging and we've talked about the book boxes a little bit now and, and the commemorative series. Can we and just I mention think actually, the little booklets that come with the book box edition? Yeah, the, the, the ones you can files. rip out. Absolutely. That's right. That's and then obviously like, Convoy Prime came with the binder, didn't it? That you could put them all in. Yeah, and that, that, I think that was the first time I ever felt like um, I was being catered to, you know, as an adult, right. rather than like like because the Hasbro reissues were very they had a nice little box and everything, but that was it, wasn't mm-hmm. it? But here yeah. it had all this information and stuff. But even because a lot of it's in Japanese, so you couldn't read it. But it was like looking at the picture of the cartoon, all of these things. Yes, and it felt very targeted, didn't it? It was done yeah. so well. It felt a bit more coherent than anything we'd had before. Like yeah. it, it's acknowledging yeah. comic. It's a oh, sorry, yeah, maybe comic. It's acknowledging vintage toy, acknowledging cartoon, and now what you're getting is reissue. It was sort of like you know you're at the age where you will appreciate this, and we are acknowledging your history with these toys now. It was very clearly laid out that it, this isn't like a child's toy anymore. Almost, that's kind of the way that whole packaging and presentation felt mm-hmm. compared to like the Hasbro one, which was still on toy shelves in Toys R Us, mm-hmm. whereas the Takara ones really felt different. They even had uh, like a little stand, didn't they, inside Correct, the box? Yeah. Uh, mm. It was kind of you That's could right. unfold it and make a little stand, which um, I'm sure no one apart from Maz ever did. But uh, That's you know, right. I did it for skids <laughs> and skids only. <laughs> My first I experience knew, of one of those. I knew you would have done it with one yeah. of them. But um, well, that, I was nice doing idea. reviews. I was doing reviews at that point for TF1.com, and and it was right. like I needed to photograph because it was still a time when people would not touch stuff. You know, you'd buy mint in box, unused G1. And it would stay mint in box unused. People didn't, it probably hasn't been enough time since the vintage era for people to need to experience that stuff. They just wanted lovely versions of their childhood toys, which weren't wrecked. So people weren't taking out those stands and assembling them. They weren't looking for that new experience. So it was quite cool to demonstrate that. Whereas now it's much more common, isn't it? Like people will take vintage toys and put stickers on. They will use all of the, paper craft stuff that might come with a release you know like all the war for cybertron stuff and the prime trilogy stuff that had funky stuff on the inner packaging you know you might have to use a black light to see it or there's a code that you go on the website and so that's much more common now but yeah back then you're right i don't remember anyone else getting that standout because <laughs> yeah. it was a faff wasn't it with all those cardboard pegs yeah it was a faff. It, it, it was one of those it's nice to know that you could do it 
even if you didn't want to. So right. it's, it was it was appreciated, even though I I never actually did it myself. Yeah. But um, I'm pleased to hear that that you took some delight in it. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, and then, as you say, yeah, I guess masterpiece is the other uh, obvious collector orientated line. Um, but I also, the thing that I always think of with masterpiece packaging more than anything is uh well two things actually number one that it's i guess the most consistent packaging of any transformers line hugely so right 18 years of the same design basically but not even i would say yeah i mean obviously the the actual time span of the line as well which is incredible now but even even the fact that um i mean obviously there haven't been that many releases you know in such a long time but even the fact if you truncated that line and just released it in normal waves or whatever you did, the fact that there's been no running changes to how the packaging is designed, it's remarkably consistent in terms of the outer design. The only variances are for things like Beast Wars, where they drop in those characters, for example, and they put mm-hmm. the eye on it or whatever. But even then, it still adheres to the same general design philosophy. Uh, you know, the the back of the boxes, the the way that the photos are laid out, things like that yeah. is all extraordinarily specific and has been so since 2003 or whatever it is. And I think it's um, just quite incredible, really, that they've done that. The other thing that I was going to say about Masterpiece Packaging that I really appreciate, and it comes back to what I said about the Collector's Edition packaging earlier, is that it stacks beautifully. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, f- for example, there is no uh, greater thrill for me Packaging-wise, I'm going to sound really sad now, but hey, uh, than seeing all of the masterpiece carbot boxes stacked up on their sides. You know, when you've got the picture of right. the of the, yeah. the, the oh, yeah. incredible, just yeah, that's really cool, incredible sight. And and I part of we talked in a previous episode about how I when we we're talking about completionism about how I'd had a little bit of a not like a dilemma, but a thing about should I sell some of my older carbots or not. And bizarrely, I know it sounds mad, but probably one of the things that was kind of if anything uh, i just thought about this but kind of uh, i suppose encouraging me to keep hold of them was the idea of having all of those car bots mm. on display in the, the boxes like that because i i don't keep all of my packaging but I completely that understand that really yeah. something really, really I, remember, I remember being annoyed that uh tiger track and loud pedal had black and white versions of those on the side yeah. instead of actually showing the yellow lambo from the side i thought well yeah, okay, there's a way of distinguishing these as show exclusives for a particular event, but yeah, because it was Silver the Trickio, yeah, such a shame. I think they would they would have just added to the whole mural of it. But you know, I, I love displaying those boxes from the side like that. That's true. But some of them were hugely cavernous, weren't they? Like that the, the, uh, yeah. Soundwave box or the Starscream Coronation well, the, version. Yeah, actually the real kickers are not even... I mean, Starscream, yes, and Sunstorm, but the, the other repaints, so Thundercracker and Skywarp, are right. ridiculous because they're the same size. They don't the even have Starscream the gubbins. Yeah. They don't have the cape or any of that. Yeah. So no Coronation gear. But all they did was slap the toy in... Ro- I mean, um, Skywarp at least comes with a little Megatron gun. Right. Thundercracker, who is just ridiculous. I mean, actually, I boxed mine up just the other day. Um, uh, I'm selling it on, believe it or not. How sad is that? But uh, he's just literally in robot mode in this massive clamshell uh, in the middle of a gigantic box. Uh, and I must admit, when I looked at all four Seeker boxes together, not to mention then Dirge, Thrust, and Ramjet, seven of them, they're all the same size. That is a huge amount of real estate yeah. taken up in anybody's collecting space. 
Didn't they stop coming with the stands as well for the Takara ones at some point? Yeah, they did. Because yeah, 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 I remember yeah. I, I was using the Hasbro ones and buying spare ones of people who had Hasbro Masterpiece jets so I could have yeah. a stand for the Takara ones. The original Seekers, the original uh, trio, so MP3, 6, and 7, have the stands. The others, the MP11 molds, mm. don't. The, but the yeah, Hasbro versions. Yeah, they do. But... Yeah, The MP11 Hasbro, like Acid Storm and Sunstorm, came with a stand. And the Thundercracker, yeah, but the not... Hasbro Thundercracker. But not even MP11 uh, has no. a stand. Just the coronation gear. Yeah. Um, so, and stuff, so, so, do you think it's a good thing that for eighteen years Masterpiece hasn't really done anything interesting with its packaging? I thought it was interesting to start with because it looked sophisticated compared to most Transformers child-aimed art and packaging. But this was all black, and it was almost like a lot of toy lines had a Masterpiece level product, and this was now Transformers's turn to do Masterpiece echelon product. And yeah, it was really, really stylish. You know, you had the, it wasn't artwork. It was the stock photography of the toy yeah. front and Which center, no window. Yeah. But now we're like 18 years later and it's just like, do you not, I'm beginning to understand why packaging goes through evolution within a certain line. For some lines, I think it happened too fast and far too much. For example, vinyl tech, I think they just made too many changes for yes. too small a line. G1, I think, was, you know, that changed a lot, which kind of can make um, a display, a multi-year display, a little bit higgledy-piggledy looking, especially towards the end. and <laughs> went silver, gold, all sorts, you know. But uh, Masterpiece doesn't change at all. Um, I don't know. It, do you, I as guess, a Masterpiece collector, like that, that it hasn't changed I, at all? Yeah, I guess there's pros and cons to it, isn't there? Because I guess if I'm being... I guess my 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 default answer would be yes. I do like it because I like the consistency and the mm. the fact that they can stack so neatly. I like, for example, and this is really sad, but I like um, you know I've got uh, downstairs. I've got um, uh, stored away, you know, all level, all the various convoy boxes, for example. But I like that you know Rodimus convoy uh, and various others are all in same size boxes as well. You know, so mm. that I like that they've almost got. Um, like class sizes of boxes, if that sort of makes sense, you know, and then things like Beast Wars Optimus Primal is the same box as same exact dimensions as Inferno and Grapple, for example. Right. So I, I like I like that sort of little crossover, you know, all of that I think is very cool. And I do like it when they mix it up slightly for things like Beast Wars. So yes, I would say in theory I do. I suppose in practice and being brutally honest, there is an element now. I'm just looking um at a couple of the boxes that I've got packed up ready to sell, you know, those seekers. And yeah, there is a bit of same old, same old about it. I, I would see what you're saying. Uh, There's nothing to now, look forward to with Masterpiece packaging anymore, is there? I guess you know what you're going to get, don't you? You know yeah. you know what it's going to look like. I, I mean, what was the last Masterpiece toy that I got? I guess it was probably um, RC, I guess, or would have been one of the more spin recent out, right? ones. Uh, maybe, yes, probably spin out, actually. Probably spin out. Uh, yeah, actually, Spin Out's probably a good example because I was super excited for Spin Out, but you're right, I didn't really give the box much consideration because, you know, particularly already having Sunstreaker and Corden, well, you, you, know, right. what gonna, you know what it's going to look like, right? If you look at collector's edition reissues, yeah, they were all size-based as well. All of the G1 jets had the same size box, but at least True. when it came to Ghost Starscream, the box was light blue. And if you think about clear hot rod, it was all the same dimensions, same layout and design, but it was a lovely crystal blue. I mean, surely Masterpiece could just do that at least. I'll give you a good example, actually, which which backs up your argument. Uh, Tiger Track. Because yeah. the... the uh, And I'm not talking Masterpiece. I'm talking the G1. Yeah, the Tiger mail-away Track. style. The, the mail-away box, which is 
beautiful. I think stunning. so beautiful. Completely, yes. completely unique one-off box in exactly the same size and proportions as the collector's edition packaging. So it stacks nicely with the rest of them, but you always spot it on the shelf. You know exactly yes. where it is, and it looks great and and a, and just a real treat. So maybe that's the answer with masterpiece is not to kind of completely change it a la vinyl tech and do something new for all of them but just occasionally for like a special toy whatever it might be to mix it up a little bit more than they do right how nice Maybe would that. it have been for them to do that for star saber to have master force style right pattern yeah but same dimensions or something like that yeah but, i think that, that would be great to see that would have been a yeah star saber is a brilliant example particularly as it felt like and still does a bit of a one-off mm-hmm. um yeah, they definitely could have done something with that. It's weird then to me, actually, that the movie uh, masterpiece stuff is is the boxes are so different. Um, and actually, they're the only uh, masterpiece boxes that I recycle because hmm. I, I kept them for a long time. And then I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Megatron, actually. Um, I think, yeah, it was Megatron when I got him. And I just realized, actually, the boxes are not the same cardboard uh, you know, I've, I know nothing about cardboard, but I can tell you that that cardboard was not as good quality and the printing is not as good and just mm-hmm. generally, and obviously they're just um, like clamshell with not twisty ties, but those little plastic um, yeah, the tags. You know, the things, tags. Yeah, you know, you pull yeah. them and they snap. It's just that inside. So it doesn't, it doesn't have the same collector orientated feel to it. None of it. Um, it. It feels like, hey, this is a toy and this is just the box that it comes in. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I was like, I don't need to keep these. I'm going to recycle them. Uh, and it obviously saved a ton of space. So that was good. But um, it's interesting to me that Movie Masterpiece kind of goes its own route, you know, and doesn't follow the same trend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be controversial and say I like the Masterpiece boxes all around the sides and the back, but I really don't like the fronts. I just find them really boring. I think you're it's right. Like, I, I'm, I'm well over it. I don't think I've ever opened a box and when I've received a masterpiece and been excited when I see the cover, whereas with most, I'm like looking at the artwork and I'm like desperate to open it with masterpiece. I look at it and go, at least the toy is going to be better because it, mm-hmm. it just seems to pick really dull sort of poses for them as well. You know, like oh, the, the presentation on the back is fantastic. All the embossed logos around the side is great, but the art, like you were saying about star saber with the master force, it's like they could have done something way more exciting. than just mm-hmm. have a robot pretty much just standing there with a jet. And it's just showing you the toy. It's not, I suppose it doesn't have to sell you on the toy because it's not, for most of us, it's not on the shelf, is it? And you're not picking it off and buying it based on that. But it really doesn't but sell the toy at all to you. It's funny guess... seeing people who buy them from Asia where they sometimes go to airports or sometimes stores in Asia and, and Toys R Us in Asia where Masterpiece is on shelves, you know, like mm. Takara Masterpiece. That's always a, quite a sight to see that. Supermarkets then, then... in Australia as well. That was always a funny one. Right. Some of them showed up there at like convenience stores. <laughs> I guess what backs up your point a bit, Liam, as well, is that actually, I was just thinking about this earlier, With um, it's part of the packaging, but, you know, the instructions and things that used to be in the box, less so now, but particularly with the early toys, like MP1 uh, oh, and all of that. Just it, thought it, something. MP what? King Grimlock. Right, yeah, that's that true, actually. Wow. Incredible box. How amazing is that? See, that's a good example of a More of that, edition. please. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example, because, again, Marvel the same art, size, yeah. same size as MP8, uh, obviously, but um, yeah, beautifully done the box and everything. So that was a great special edition. I guess that's exactly what we were saying before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, just going back a step to what I say. The the do you remember the instructions for like MP one and everything? 
the they had all of the pictures from the cartoon. It was like full color bu- That's booklet, right. um, yes. and it was lots of explanation about like, okay, so we included this accessory. This is what it's referencing, and of course, it was all in Japanese. So. You know, I didn't know what it was saying, but you could work it out from the pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, there was enough of a story there. But also they had, and this happened till relatively recently, because I remember it with Soundwave, especially on the back of the instructions, they had pictures of all of the different toys, uh, all of the different like toys of that character. Mm-hmm. So with Soundwave, they even had like right. a GoBot from G2 and stuff like that. And like the obviously the original, all the various different Soundwave mm-hmm. toys. And they did that with Convoy. I know they did that with Megatron, the original Starscream. MP5, Starscream. And that was great. And, and actually, I'm just thinking now that that sort of celebration almost is kind of what Masterpiece is about in many regards, or certainly used to be. And wouldn't it be nice if there was something a la that on the box itself? You know, maybe. I don't know whether that's on yeah. the front, the back, whatever it might be. You could almost have some really cool kind of character artwork that draws from different sources, something like that. Mm. I don't know. I think that's a big part of it, though, because like with you're kind of conditioned from generation one in pretty much every toy line. They've got really cool artwork of the characters posed in certain ways and something like that. Whereas Masterpiece doesn't have that. You know what I mean? It's kind of... Didn't they start trying a little bit? For example, I remember Sunstreaker and Artfire, the stock photo on the front of those Masterpiece boxes was a little bit more dynamic, wasn't it? In a sort of callback to the G1 artwork for those characters. Or am I imagining that? No, you're right. Um, particularly those two, actually, and Sunstreaker, yeah, is uh, and Artfire. Actually, I think they're both um, sort of almost direct uh, takes on their original packaging artwork, but done with the toy. Uh, yeah, because Sunstreaker's kind of got that feet in the back, kind mm-hmm. of leaping forward, uh, sort of forced perspective look to it, almost, um, which is very cool. And yeah, that, that's a good shout. And it's funny because they changed the style of the collector's cards. And then yeah, suddenly they, did. they didn't look the same as before. And that was such a weird decision, considering everything else stayed consistent. I thought, well, if there's one thing you needed it to stay the same, it's the poxy collector's cards. But Yeah, uh, I think it was around Delta Magnus that they did that, give or take. And I, I remember yeah. people being um, a bit narked about it, needless to say. Like, well, you know, I've collected this line for... 15 years or whatever it was at the time, you know, probably not quite that long at that time, but uh, and now you've changed the cards. And yeah, I can, I can kind of get why people, I don't, I'm not fussed about collector's cards, but I can understand why people would be uh, annoyed about that. Could be worse, oh, love- could change the numbers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, wow. Yeah. But actually, do you know, I mean, it's part of the packaging, obviously, and those numbers, I know we've talked about it a lot in a previous episode. I was uh, actually you know, listening to our conversation about it today, and I, and I came up with a theory, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go on. Well, I was going to say, you know, my theory is that someone is just mucking yeah, around. Yeah. I, think, I think genuinely someone at Takara is just going, lol, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what number should we make this one now? Uh, and look at all the nerds on the internet going crazy, trying to work yeah. it Ultimate out. Ultimate troll. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, Having a bit of a laugh. Because there can be no rhyme or reason where Spin Out uh, and Corden, you know. I did think of one, though. I did think of a on. reason. So every time they do a repaint of a toy, if the repaint is just a straight repaint with no remolding to the body, like I was thinking like Road Rage was 26 because there was remolding to the body. Corden was a remold of Sunstreaker because it got a new head. So it's got its own number. Whereas Spin Out was just a repaint of Corden. I've I've read Exhaust had a new head. So that got its own number. Yeah, I've read. But then Delta Magnus didn't before. get anything, did it? Uh, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, no. So that was just a straight repaint. 
yeah uh, well um different face <laughs> different, there was there was a remolded face in the box and i guess you did have the new little human characters as well i think it came with melissa what's her name Mar- marissa fairborn, fairborn. Yeah, um, yeah and uh marissa fairborn yeah oh, and, stretching uh, though isn't it it's a real stretch it's a stretch i mean it was it did have a slightly remolded face it, the stock face was the same hmm. but it came with an alternate face that was slightly different i think it had the in uh, fact the actually the faces it came for were for magnus not for yes. Delta Magnus, for Ultra Magnus. They, so it just they were. Like a, they no, were. That's not going to be it then. I remember someone positing this theory. I remember this is one of the many, many theories that I have read about masterpiece numbering and why it is the way it is. And someone had said that, but then there was at least one example that was like, "What? Well, hang on a minute. What? How does that work?" Then I think the other one was MP40 Target Master Hot Rodimus, mm. which. Is that a new mold because of the Target Master? I, maybe. I don't know, but that, again, seems like a little bit tenuous. Yeah, it's reaching. Um, I, I don't think there's there's anything that you can nail down 100% with a formula. I think, honestly, maybe it is that. I don't know. But I'm sure there was at least one or two that disproved it slightly. Um, but I would say that the numbering uh, is actually a big part, I think, of, of the enjoyment for packaging for a lot of people anyway. like I mean, if we go back to the book box uh, mm-hmm. packaging, uh, you know, Takara collection. Um, that again, the numbers on that—that that was kind of enticing, wasn't it? Like, oh, yep. you know, lining them up in order and all of that kind of club. But that's you know a bit of fun, and mostly the same size. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very uh, and nice and colourful actually. I think the colours and yeah. the artwork on that mean that it was never boring, um, mm. and and they all look really good. That's a packaging that I struggle to let go of. I must admit, yeah. I've got a, a stack of them. Yeah, and there's always a market for those if you sell them, I think. I'm tempted to... I might have to sell them because I just don't know that I've got the room to keep them. But I I mean, I would never... I couldn't bring myself to recycle them. But I do... I mean, that's an interesting topic by itself because I do sell a lot of packaging, actually. Um, You know, I mean, I know we're going to come on to it in a bit as well, but I do sell a lot of packaging because, as I said earlier, I figure that, you know, if if I can't make room for it, even though I might want it, Maybe somebody else does, and it does, you know, it, it often goes. I just sold today, actually, a Galaxy Force Convoy box, which is really nice, and I love it, but it's massive, and I've just got nowhere to put it, really. So uh, it's gone. It's mm-hmm. been sold. So why not? In the beginning came the beasts, but nature lies. They're robots in disguise. Just um, on the subject of packaging and recent packaging, uh, what did you guys think of the Titans Return packaging? Because the the Hasbro versions really focused on just the Headmaster, didn't they? So you had yeah, like the, the the Headmaster fusing with the with the Transtector or the body, whatever you want to call it. And obviously, everyone in that line was basically a Headmaster. So I, I remember that the you know, the artwork they did for that was really appreciated. I thought they looked really nice in the boxes. They've been really raising the game on that front. Like the Titans Return one were nice, and it's that little that art that you. We referenced in there, they had that for all of them, didn't they? It was that same mm-hmm. pose with the head, sort of like yeah. it was attaching, and that was pretty cool. But they've ever since then, it's just got better and better for each of the toy lines. Like the current generation stuff, it just looks brilliant. Yeah, Commander Rodimus Prime for Kingdom has insanely nice artwork. Yeah, yeah and it's good. Like those, um, the Tetrajet Seekers they did, they did a Skywarp, and he was in a special box set with a couple of different. Uh, little target masters and that art is amazing of him just sort of dropping down and it's they've definitely been raising the game they start selling t-shirts as well haven't they of it and, and posters and jigsaws wow. have they yes yeah 
I saw a really interesting post by um, Marcelo Materi, the uh, Hasbro and IDW artist. And he was saying on Twitter that Hasbro is one of the only companies that doesn't publish the name of the box artist on the packaging. And he was lamenting the fact that like loads of other toy lines do that, loads of other manufacturers, but Transformers don't. And I guess never have done. Yeah. Ah. Mm, that's interesting. They probably should. I've never thought about it though. I've never don't think I've ever seen it on other packaging, but it's because I haven't looked, but I mean the only Transformers related example I can think of, and it was Takara, was uh Europe's Juice Diaclone packaging. Because that was all it was they did a comic for that line. And uh, it was done in a really stylized way. And like if you remember the I don't know if any of you've ever seen the Juice Diaclone Optimus Prime battle convoy mm. artwork like the yeah. whole one yeah. side of that box the desert scene with the truck and then him with the gun if you look in the corner of all of those juice to diaclone packages it says pg britsy which is paul and gaitan britsy the the twins who did that artwork and wrote that comic and they are very very well established artists they did disney's fantasia you know they've wow. done um what? i think it was baba the elephant they you know they were animators on that so they ex- they have a gallery in france that's so well known uh, but their names always appeared on Diaclone packaging, the Juice to Diaclone. That's the only example I can think of uh, related to Transformers. I guess it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I suppose on the flip side, you could say, well, you know, the people or person or whoever that designs the toy, their their name is not written anywhere on it. Do you know what I mean? Nor right. are uh, the many other people involved, but particularly the designer of the toy might be the one that you might think, well, do they get credit as well? But there is, uh, you know, to be fair, also more of a, custom isn't there around artists particularly you know pencil artists uh, colorists all of that getting credit as well so i, I don't know really I, I can see i can see the argument for it i gotta say um even just like a little thing somewhere mm-hmm. but i uh, i guess i also kind of understand why maybe it doesn't happen i don't mm-hmm. know just because it's toy packaging and but it must feel things. weird in the industry if you work for one of the only companies of an enormous franchise and ip where all the competitors oh, and contemporaries are doing it but you're but you're not getting that credit for Transformers. It must feel strange. 100%. Uh, like you know, like Liam, I've never really noticed it being done. But certainly if that is the norm now, then yeah, they should be doing it for sure. It's making me want to go check those Master of the Universe packaging now. I was just <laughs> wondering if, about that, actually. Yeah, and because they're, they're so beautiful. You would almost expect that to have an acknowledgement, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder where on those packaging it would be, though. Is it some sort of like... You know, in the trademark info at the bottom corner or something on the back, is it all down there? Because either know, that, just... or I guess you know, like a little, uh, like a little, like on a comic cover, you know, just a little signature yeah. from the artist or something in the art itself. Oh, I think Vintage Macross has it as well. I'm thinking of my Vintage Strike Valkyrie box. The um, you know, it, it looks like Jetfire, but it's got like a massive cannon on its shoulder. But it is the Jetfire toy with with a massive cannon and like a gift set size box with armor. That has incredible artwork. And I do believe the name of the artist, the Japanese artist, is on that box from 1985. Hmm. So, yeah, even in the vintage era, some Japanese-based robot packaging would have had the the name of the artist on it. It's not not uncommon. Maybe maybe it's just more of a thing then for... Because, let's be fair, a lot of toy packaging, uh, the art is done by... People that don't that aren't household names or you know right. unknown. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's where it's it doesn't happen. Maybe the maybe it's more of a common thing for known artists. You know, if they're going to get mm. actual comic book artists or whatever it may be in, then it sort of makes more sense to name them, doesn't it? But 
you would think actually that it would be more of a draw to name them in that regard because then for people that know about that and, and care it's going to be more of a an interest point isn't it yeah especially as hasbro have been going to a lot of the same people year on year and also their comics are typically illustrated by the same people i mean i, I absolutely treasure the alternators artwork that i have from guido and, and marcelo they, they are treasures and i love that those are the people who are responsible for the artwork on the boxes for those toys yeah, and I'm getting um I'm getting an alternators mirage at the end of this month, a sealed one, and I'm just a little bit disappointed that the version I'm getting is a European version with a picture of the toy on the box, because I've long since sold my original alternators mirage, but uh, knowing that I have the original art and and I can see the art on the box as well would have been cool to experience that again. But uh, be nice I to pair th- those up, wouldn't it? Yeah, I... and, I, and I've done it in the past. I am going to make you a little offer. Uh, because I'm so nice, but I I may also have an alternators mirage on the way. Um, shock, I know shock, but it's, uh, it's the first I time you can own uh, it, isn't it? I believe that mine may have the artwork. Lovely. No, no, it no. no I used to own it, mirage. Oh, yeah, you yeah. did have yeah, it. Yeah, okay, I've had it before. Um, I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I named it as I think as my favourite mould. Um, in in the vinyl tech episode. Oh, I, th- uh, I thought you I had only had the Rodimus. No, no, I had, yeah. I had, uh, I never had um, the clear mirage, but I had. Um, and there's another yeah. example of same dimension packaging as every other toy in the line, but extraordinarily special artwork, mail away style artwork on BT18 Electro Disruptor yes. Vigier. What another That's fantastic example of, of a one off. So I, I've just checked as we're talking, and indeed, my uh, uh, alternate mirage that's on the way is the version with the artwork on it. Would you like the box? I think to save on postage, let's just do the insert that that sits in the box. But that's really well, kind I, of you. Thank you. I think I may have something to send to you anyway. Do I not? I don't know. I can't Quite remember. possibly, I, yeah. I, it's in very. It, I don't know. Typically, that I do at yeah. any given stage. So <laughs> I think it's a pack um, of Jolly Ranchers, isn't it, or something that looks like a pack of Jolly Ranchers? There we go. Actually, um, please do get me a pack of Jolly Ranchers and stick it in the. That'd be great. <laughs> Remind me later. When or Monster Munch. You choose. Yeah, I've, got, I've got Monster Munch at home. I can stick you a pack of those in the post right now. Do you know what I mean? I've got, I've got is it Results. cheese and onion? Or, there's, there's one pack of Monster Munch I don't like. Pickled um, onion. Pickled onion? No, pickled onion are the best. What are you yeah, about? they pickled are the best. Pickled onion are the worst flavour. No, oh, come on. What are you, a flaming hot guy? No, I have a strange allergy to pickled onion flavoured crisps. It makes my head itch. I don't know what it is. It's always the same. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. We cannot run a podcast. I mean, I, you know, maybe this will get edited out. I don't know, but it's we've not got knowledge, to. right? Don't worry now. about that. But, <laughs> but uh, there's, there's no way that we can run a podcast and have people saying that pickled onion monster munch is not good. That's just it's, it's unacceptable. We live in a world where we have flaming hot. Why? Why would you even <laughs> reduce yourself to pickled onion? Because Museum. pickled onion exists. Yeah, exactly. Cut, cut, cut him out there. That's terrible. Oh, pickled onion. <laughs> Anyway, I'll I'll happily send you some Monster Munch or whatever. And, uh, Monster Munch can, and Alternators Mirage artwork. You can, what a you box. can have my you can have my Alternators Mirage box for sure. But I um, love you, mate. Love you. Yeah, mate. I'll just have to do without that one box, maybe in my collection. But that's fine. Right. <laughs> so it'll make you happy. So it'll make me happy. Tremendous. Um, but yeah, oh. but they they are they are lovely boxes and they are lovely artwork for sure. Uh, and then what I, I guess. Kind of just coming back to masterpiece and all of that kind of era. I guess I was going to mention third-party boxes briefly mm-hmm. and say that actually there are some incredible 
third party. Think what you will about the whole third party scene and you know all of that. There are some incredible boxes and some incredible yeah. packaging out there as well, and some incredible artwork actually. Yeah. I mean, even um, the the boxes, fans toys boxes themselves are a little bit generic, just like black yeah. square. Some of know, my least favorite actually. But the but the artwork on the front typically is pretty good. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's in some cases I think insanely good. You know, so I think all credit to um, it's a it's a it's a fan. You know, it's a community fan that does mm. a lot of the art. I think. Uh, I think they've had a couple of people doing it now, but uh, that's uh, typically excellent. I think, and um, there's a lot, but there's a lot of other third parties where they've put huge amounts of effort in. It's not all good, and there are some uh, some bad ones, uh, but you know there are some excellent examples as well. Even stuff like um, it's always interesting to me. I think, we, as we said earlier, where third party tries to imitate old style packaging. So, like X Transbots recently have done oh, yeah. some. Uh, G1, very heavily G1 style packaging. They did some Stunticons uh, in G1 toy style and the packaging is immense and certainly I got a huge thrill out of seeing it, even knowing it's a reproduction and, you know, it's still great to see. Um, MMC are pretty good at that too. Uh, They are. Yeah, I think that's my favourite third party. They're they're superb. So beautiful, those boxes. Lovely mix of references. Have you noticed yes. all those Legends class ones that are actually going as far as doing Diaclone style boxes? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I remember there's a three pack of Seekers of Coneheads, and they've done like a G1, uh, sorry, G1, uh, Diaclone jet packaging mm. for those. I, did you like the um, reformatted series MMC packaging? I always really liked them for Feral Rex. I mean, it, I thought they looked great, those boxes. Yeah, they did look cool. I liked that they had a kind of theme to them and all of that. I did like that. Um, actually, the one that has blown my mind in, in more recent memory was um, TFC Toys um, SD Commander, uh, which we we were talking about mm. not on the pod just the other day, weren't we? But it's yeah. I mean it's a hell of a toy anyway. But the box is immense. It's got this kind of very uh, kind of classic drawn style to it, and it's lovely. Uh, and it looks like um, a scale model box, you know, with the kind of mm-hmm. drawn picture on the front on a white background, uh, almost quite precision uh, sort of artwork. It's really, really nice. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's a good example of them kind of leaning into the style of the toy and producing something that's very much a love letter. And I think what you do get with third parties sometimes, interestingly, is that they're freed from all of that kind of corporate branding of all of that. And they can when they want to be, just be super creative with it. Um, and I think it's really great to see sometimes. I love that about the the TFC G.I. Joe style toy because it reminds me of when we were talking about Mask earlier. Is If you remember the Boulder Hill box was this massive box and it had the beautiful art on the front, but the size in the back were plain white with just like this sort of blue line art almost of like what's in it and stuff like that. And that's what mm. that box reminds me of because that's what mm. a lot of toys were like in the 80s. I think you sort of, yeah. we forget that because you remember the front of the box is like, you know, the Master Universe art, the Transformers ones, but there were a lot where they were just plain for very particularly for larger toys as well, weren't they? With mm. this sort of cheap art, but I assume it's just to reduce cost or something, but it's very, I don't know, iconic of the time, I suppose. Yeah. I've got to say, I quite like um, the Fans Project Function toys had really cool boxes. No artwork, really. Not, no colour, but they were just um, sort of tall cuboids really standout colors like cyan or, or gray and brown and then yellow for weird wolf and those uh, first function x headmasters placing those boxes together they always look really really classy and i really like those boxes 
even though they you know they don't have all the same elements that I love in other Transformers packaging, like really standout box art or a window where you can view the toy. But uh, it was just like a nice alternate take on how to yeah. package a toy, a collector's toy. Yeah, that is nice. You can't talk about I, Trans Project and not talk about um, the combiner. You remember that bo- the boxes they did for? I can't remember what it's called. I think you have it, Maz. The the retro style combiner. It was made to like a G one toy. Uh, oh, the, oh the, glacial box. Glacial box. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one. And they, but the box art was it's all done like it's like it was a vintage box found in a container, wasn't it? Was really like, yeah. nice. I really enjoyed that. I never owned it, but it, I always appreciated it. Really, really nice. No, we we know someone that has it. Uh, yeah. We bought we bought it for their birthday actually. But um, re, yeah, really looks cool. I've never never handled it, but it looks immense. Has to be said. Uh, I was just going to say actually, I I've just thought of this because it's it's here with me. But I just had a a recent thrill, a first for me. Uh, with make toys was that I did some uh, photography for the box mm-hmm. and um, that actually was a real uh, thrill you know seeing the box come through and seeing my it photos thrill, on it. Yeah. it it's a very weird feeling very weird feeling they don't yeah. uh, I mean I, I, I recognize the photos obviously because I took mm-hmm. them but it still doesn't really feel like mine and and you know it's uh, my, my wife was was uh, <laughs> kind of insanely proud of the whole thing which was quite nice so uh, yeah, definite thrill there. Will you be That's signing cool those feeling. at TFN? What was that, Liam? Will you be signing those at TFN next year? I don't think anybody's going to be asking for that. <laughs> let's put it that way. But uh, oh, you never know. No, you might. You might be surprised. You might yeah. be surprised. Uh, One other piece it. of third-party packaging. Um, remember the uh, what was the name of the company? They did the very small run of Mario and Luigi in the Nintendo-style box, the animated ones. Yeah, I know the toy. I couldn't tell uh, you what it's was called. It, was it Mech Ideas? Was it Mech, Mech Ideas. Idea? That's it. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, they, they did, did the little the... gauntlet. It was their Iron Fist. Right. Yes, of course. Yeah, they did that. And uh, they did Pipes and Huffer style yeah. animated one, but then they repainted it into Mario and Luigi. And the, the It was deliberately made to look like it was a worn NES game box as well, which was just super cool. That, that was a really nice thing to own. I'd love to own because of that. Because mm. obviously... Love Nintendo, so that's just because of the box. Yeah, that's it. It does draw you in, though, doesn't it? I mean, we were we were kind of um, starting this by me ever so slightly taking the Mickey out of Maz for hunting down a very specific Superfire convoy box. But actually, I do. <laughs> I, you know, I, the more we talk about it, the more I am willing to say, yeah, no, the the boxes are a draw uh, cool. for sure. That Superfire convoy is the least of the most embarrassing stories I have of tracking down packaging, man. Superfire Convoys, like that got sorted in a week. <laughs> but other ones, no, it's like there are things where I would just buy the box. I don't even care if the contents are in it. Like the box would be a treasure to have. So there's lots of stories like that. Like I've gone crazy for a styro insert once, you know. That, like, that is actually one thing I do have for you to go with your monster munch and your uh, and your your alternators oh, I believe. I've a bubble inserts. inserts. Yeah, yeah, that's some, true. That's some true. G1 bubble inserts for you. That is going to be a really strange box to receive, that one. Good luck on the customs form. Like, what, what are you even going to say? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just loads yeah. of weird empty space. Yes. Yes, it is. And crisps. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be fun. But yeah, no. Plus you, flavor you... of crisps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's move on swiftly on before this is the last episode of this podcast ever. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, Maz, you do you do love hunting down a box or two, don't you? That's one thing I've never done. I've never 
seeked out a box after I've had it or if I'm missing it, you know, like if I have toys that come without a box or whatever it might be, I would never actively go and search for the box. But clearly people do, as I've already kind of alluded to as well. Yeah, I mean, do you mind if I give you a couple of examples? Go for it. You you know, uh, actually, I think you were speaking about it in an episode recently where there are some things in Transformers that are so highly familiar that when something comes along that is 99% the same, but one element of it is quite different, it's the familiar, but different, it can be really attractive. Now, whether that's just you get a Transformers box and it's a G1 sideswipe, but the car is yellow, you think, oh, okay, well, that's just slightly subtly different enough to be really attractive. Like that uh, European Milton Bradley G1 tracks. So the box is a G1 tracks box. It's got a blue tracks on the box. It says MB in the corner, which is really cool because most G1 packaging has a Hasbro or Takara logo. And then this one's got MB, which we all know from our childhood from MB games. And then also instead of a bubble, it's styro packaging inside and it's a red tracks. You know, that is such a cool combination of familiar but unfamiliar in a really well-known G1 tracks box with the flap and all the usual Transformers logos, it can be really attractive. And that's why I've been recently looking for a carded pre-rub Canadian G1 mini bots because it's, okay, it's in a G1 mini bot card. It's got the Hasbro logo on it. It's, it's multilingual. So not only do you get the Hasbro name, but you get the, the French name for it as well, just in another box underneath it. That's different enough to be cool, considering you spent your whole life looking at G1 packaging in in a certain way. And then also the robot points are on the front, which is the only G1 packaging where that's been done. There's just no space on the back because of the multilingual text, and it's a tiny mini-bot card. So they've got the robot points on the front of the card, and that's just, it's so beautiful to me. It's just so strange that uh, I had to track as many of those down as I could. Uh, Once, like, Justra Diaclone, I collect purely because of the artwork. It's, mm. it's the packaging that sells me on that line. I've owned the contents. like I've owned a G1 Mirage. I've owned a G1 Jazz. But it's just the one side of the box that is purely exclusive comic-style artwork, gorgeous artwork, full size, that attracts me. And they look so incredible lined up together, those boxes. So you, incredible. I take it you would never collect the boxes without the toys, though, right? I would collect the boxes without the toys. Would you? That's interesting. Yeah, if if the box for a Justra Diaclone smokescreen appeared on auction tomorrow, I'd go crazy for it because no one has ever seen it. There is no evidence of anyone ever seeing it or photographing it or describing Mm. it. So if it was to show up on eBay tomorrow, it would be the first instance we'd ever see its artwork. And this is an official release of a major Transformers toy, or Diaclone toy, that no one has ever seen the artwork for. And it's just out there somewhere. And... I'd love to see it. And that's why I'm so attracted to that line. That's a, yeah, that's great. That's really like when, when the wheeljack turned up, the, the Lancia, I mean, that was an amazing thing. Like I, I remember the loose toy was enough for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this loose wheeljack that this dude has because I know it came in a Juicer Diaclone box. And I bought the sticker sheet for it five years prior on eBay. Just lucky Bray. I was like, that's a Juicer sticker sheet. Bought that. And it was like, okay, so I've got the sticker sheet from a toy that probably doesn't even exist anymore. Then some dude had the actual car, and I thought, well, okay, I'll buy the car as well. And he um, he was going to sell it to me along with a couple of other Diaclones. And I went to pay him by PayPal, and he pasted his PayPal address incorrectly. So I sent the dude a whole bunch of money, and then I was like, oh, my God, it's it's the wrong person. I've sent it to the wrong person. So I had to cancel the transaction. And back then it took like seven days for it to be refunded onto your, onto your account. 
in the meantime, he said, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll just get these packaged up for you. And he'd gone to see his mom and his dad. And his mom and his dad had said to him, no, no, they came around to his house with some fruitcake. And they said, oh, we've also found a box of your old toys if you'd want them, or we know you're selling them. And in that box, along with the fruitcake, was the Juicer Diaclone Wheeljack box that he'd never, he'd never thrown away. And it, was the only, it still is the only example of that box that exists anyone, anyone knows about. And it was wow. just such a gorgeous wow. piece. Yeah. It's got the Lancia Stratos, Stratios coming down a hill, and it's got Wheeljack's head with the really beautiful toy-style artwork, firing lasers, stamping on the ground. It's just... I remember when he sent me the picture, he said, oh, look what I found. I left the computer, I walked over to my bed, I put my head in a pillow, and I just screamed because I, I was that excited. I couldn't believe it. it was like, first time in toy collecting history, this box has been found. I genuinely thought that story was going to take a different turn when you said I went to my bed. (laughs) (laughs) You have to drag the tone down. I'm telling you like the most successful collector hunting story I've got. This is like a magical story for me. You have to drag the tone down. Just adding to it. You know, just adding to it. It's just forever going to be associated with that now, isn't it? Well, Anyone listening to this is not going to see anything else. They're not going to see my pleasure. The pleasure is the wrong word. Is the wrong word. <laughs> my God, man. <laughs> moving it, swiftly it, on. You're making it worse. Yeah, yeah. Moving yeah. on. That is an incredible story, by the way. Do you know, it's funny because I was just about to say, before you just started that story, I was just about to say about some of these Diaclone boxes that they're probably in someone's mum's loft somewhere. Absolutely. Lo lo and behold, there you go. Absolutely, that's how it is. And they're so rare. And like some 60-year-old dude from East London got in touch the other day and said, oh, I'm 60 years old. I'm selling toys. I used to buy all sorts of robot toys. Your website has the word Diaclone and this toy says Diaclone. Is it interesting to you? I was like, Oh, that's a Paris seemingly extraordinarily rare thing that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, sure, I'll take that off your ass. So they do pop up in the weirdest of places, but they have yeah. to because they, they just weren't in stores for long enough. Like the, I was going to say, and, and and yeah, it's not it's not as well known as Transformers, is it? No, really now and all no. of that. So it's not got the same kind of uh, you know. If people have a Transformer, they know it's a Transformer. Right. Uh, whereas this is somewhat different, isn't it? I, I guess. And it on that topic, I was just talking to Paul Hitchens, who owns the Space Bridge Collector Store down in the south of England, and he was talking about how one of the greatest pleasures of his job are people coming in with old toy collections. You know, Star Wars mask, yeah, wrestling, WWF, uh, Lego, Starcom, all this kind of stuff, turtles. And they bring their old collections and they sell them to him and he, and he gets these really lovely vintage collections. What's the one thing that no one has brought in? Packaged G1 Transformers. Incredibly, that is the one thing that no one has brought into the store yet. Do you think that's because everyone... people are more aware of it? I think like... so, yeah. But then he gets loads of Star Wars and people are aware of Star Wars. Oh. It's just like they're Transformers. He'd never got into the store. I think they just go straight to eBay or yeah. straight to Facebook yeah, or live There's... auctions. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? So Transformers does seem to be slightly apart from a lot of toy lines in that regard in terms of how it's um, how it permeates and things like that. It's really, really interesting. It's how it's uh, endured as well compared to like, when you look at Master's Universe, Mask, all these other things. There's almost nothing else from the 80s that's lasted as long or rebounded in the same sort of way other than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think that's it's just those two hmm. that have really maintained any kind of popularity, isn't it? <laughs> 
The Transformers will return after these messages. Okay, so we're going to press the pause button on this discussion for now, as we've ended up going a teensy bit longer than we all anticipated. The triple takeover, lads. Talking loads. I <laughs> know. Crazy, right? Wow. Episode 10 will actually be a special part two of this episode, and instead of the usual fortnightly wait, it will actually be available next Tuesday. Yes, you heard that right. Just a single week to wait. In the meantime, you can interact with us on all our social media channels. Why don't you let us know what your favourite packaging is, or if you've got any interesting packaging stories. We are at triple underscore takeover on Instagram and Twitter, and for Facebook, it's triple takeover, all one word. I know technically it's two words, but you know what I mean. If you want to check out our individual content, you can find Maz at TF Square One, Sixo at Sixo TF, and me at Toybox Soapbox and all the usual social media spaces. And if you're a big Sixo fan, and who isn't, he's also on YouTube. Go give his face a watch. <laughs> Join us again next week for part two of this discussion on all things that you're meant to throw away. They think it's all over. Well, it isn't now because there's another part next week. See you then.